everyone welcome to another edition of the bat around i'm your host paul valley with me as always is my co-host and producer extraordinaire zach goodman it is a cold and frigid saturday morning yet again here in baltimore as we are in the deep deep heart of winter it's we are it sucks uh, I, i'm telling you the people the people that say that winter is their favorite season uh, no you're I mean, you can't you can't think you're that. lying you're saying that for clout like there's no way. There's no one who thinks that. There's, there's I, I I like the cold to a, to like a a reasonable degree, but not when it's this cold. This is way too cold. I like like 35 degree cold. What? That's that's perfect. That's no. perfect. Perfect. It yeah. was perfect for what? Dying? Like <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's what I love about it. Um no, I I don't know. I I love when it gets to be like November and you have those days in like the 30s and 40s every day. That's that's the best. November is the worst. It's the it's the fall too. So November is the worst month. No, the not at all. The only thing what? that's good about November is football on Sundays and Thanksgiving. Mm. I mean, those are two great things about November. But the, yeah. the temperature is also a but great that thing. But that is five days out of the week. But out, once, out, out of the month. Once we get to next month, I'm going to start to get, you know, like the itch for being warm because this is oh, too I've, much. This I've, is too I've, much. I've had the itch for being warm since the beginning of November. I know you have. You, you're a very anti-cold kind of guy. Yeah. You're uh, very I, anti-cold. Like, like this, is, this is worthless to me. What is the yeah. point? We don't live near a ski resort. I mean, you can go to Round Top. It's like an hour away. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ski? Yeah. Okay. Oh, we used to go out to the Rocky Mountains every year. When oh, I was nice. A kid. We used to go out to Colorado. Oh. We went to Utah. <laughs> Round Top might not do it for you then. No, it's, uh, it's not quite I the went, same I, thing. I went to Massanutten with the wife and her family. Uh, no idea what that in, is. It's it's a um, it's like an all encompassing resort out okay. in, out in Virginia, it's about four hours from here. Okay. Um, they have an indoor water park, which we did not use, which I was very upset about. Um, they have um, a ski resort, that, but it only has three or four slopes. Okay, that sounds boring. And <laughs> and their black diamond, which is like the hard slope. Sure. The black diamond here is like an easy blue out in yep. Colorado. Yep. So I hadn't skied in 17 years mm-hmm. at that point. And I was going down the mountain with her uncle Brian. And he's like, uh, I was like, man, I haven't skied in 17 years. I feel like it's like riding a bike, but I'm nervous. And he's like, just stick with me. And he's going so slow. <laughs> so, And I was like, you know what? Screw this. And I just took off. And I'm speeding down the mountain. I didn't fall once. Wow. And he he was like, what, what the hell just happened here? He had he could not believe how good of a skier I was for having not skied in 17 years. Yeah, I, I used to ski every uh, every winter for, you know, I go three, four, or five times per winter. But since, you know, last year with COVID, didn't go at all. And the year before that, we barely got any snow. And there wasn't really anywhere to go. So hopefully I can get out this year. It'll be fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I tried snowboarding one time. Spent, Never tried spent that. Spent two hours falling on my ass <laughs> yeah. and decided uh, this is not for me. No. Apparently, if you start out snowboarding and try skiing, it's the hardest thing in the world. If you start out skiing and try snowboarding, it's the hardest thing in the world. So I've skied all my life. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. It's an Same. expensive hobby. Just it like is. golf is, is, a, is an expensive yep. hobby. Zach and I just have expensive taste. Apparently. Uh, apparently. apparently. So, um uh, from all, all the big bucks that we're making here at Press Box, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, I just want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by Toyota. You can make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer 
Today, after the show, Zach, you get down to Toyota and you go buy yourself a RAV4. Okay. You trade in that fancy Volkswagen you got down there in the parking lot and you go get oh. yourself a RAV4. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. I, I, I'll he's, do he's, so. He's doing it. I'm calling the Toyota. I'm doing it. I'm, call, gonna... I'm calling my friend, uh, yeah. my friend Fred Smith over there at the Toyota deal. I don't know. I just made up a name. Um, I want to talk about something. <laughs> Fred Smith. <laughs> yeah. Fred, I don't know. It's the first two uh, random Hey, maybe if you own a Toyota dealership, you can afford to ski more. I don't know. Yeah, it's an idea. And, and never see my my and if family and friends. If you I, have a Rav Four, you can you can carry your skis in it. I tried working at a car dealership and just hearing the way that the salesmen talked about their lives <laughs> made me quit. Really? Uh, they they can't even get time off to go see their kids play in wow. a soccer game. Wow. The, like you were literally working bell to bell six days a week. We just got to own it. You got to own it. You, yeah. you got to be the guy who owns the dealership and makes a lot of money. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. I digress. Anyway. So, Zach, you were talking to me this morning right before the show started about how you had a credit card that just disappeared in the Yes, thin air it literally just day. disappeared. And it's funny because I was thinking about this on my way in today. I have an Orioles hat that I've worn on this show many times. Mm-hmm. I was, this wasn't the hat I want. I love this hat, but this wasn't the hat I wanted to wear today. I wanted to wear my black Orioles hat that has the swinging bird on it. It was the Orioles mm. batting practice yep. hat from a few years ago. I have no idea where it is. It should be in my room with all of my other hats. It is not. I have not seen that hat in months, at least two months. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what happened to it. I think someone stole it. There, there's no way. <laughs> there's no. Someone but really wanted your Orioles I am, hat. I am also missing a pair of Under Armour golf pants that my wife's father got for me for Christmas mm-hmm. a couple of years ago that I love. No idea what happened to those. Also missing an Under Armour pullover that looks fantastic on me mm-hmm. <laughs> really i haven't seen that one since i moved uh, and it came with me in the move because i've worn it since i moved into the house that i'm living in right now mm-hmm. a year and a half ago no idea where it is i think my wife's hiding my stuff i think she's I getting mean... i think she's getting bored and is <laughs> just sitting there and she's like i'm gonna watch him frantically search for stuff that he's never gonna find I mean, that sounds like an enjoyable hobby. She probably has it all with her feminine products. And I, I, Maybe. I, I never go near that stuff. That's Maybe. What, have you checked, like, under your bed? No, no Zach. <laughs> I haven't thought to I check mean, that's, under my that's bed. That's, like, one of the most common places people lose things. Yes, it really is. I, I have checked under my bed. I've checked behind I, my dressers. I've checked behind the washer and dryer. I've checked in the lint trap wow. in the dryer. I've checked wow. every nook and cranny in the house. I cannot find... These three particles, articles of clothing. How would a hat get in a lint trap? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to ask. I have. I, I, I wash my hats. Okay. Because I wear, I have a lot of hats. Okay. And I go to the gym and I wear hats every single day in the gym. Mm-hmm. People don't want to see this mm-hmm. out in public. I don't want people to see this <laughs> out in public. So I am almost, I mean, it's up to me to go get a haircut. I just don't feel like it. I have, I, I, I wear a hat. Everywhere I go, with the exception of the restaurant, and mm-hmm. then I put some fancy product in my hair and try to make myself look serviceable. I have no idea where this hat is. Uh, the whole point of that 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 conversation was the fact that I wash my hats because I'm constantly sweating in them, and I don't, and they start to smell. So you got to wash them. Mm-hmm. But that's why it, I don't know. That it, I don't think it could get trapped in the lint trap. But you got to look everywhere. Desperate times call for desperate. I, I can't tell you how many things I've lost that I just look under my bed, and there it is. Yeah, I've I don't lo- know. I, I found a sock under my bed that I couldn't find <laughs> the other day. But yeah, that happens pretty that, often. We do have two cats. Maybe they're effing with mm, me. That's it. That's got to be it. Maybe they're it's effing with it. me. I I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, this is a baseball show, not the life and time of Paul Valley. So let's move on here. Uh, Orioles with some big news this past week. They placed five prospects in their top 100 of Baseball America and the top 101 of Baseball Prospectus. It is the third time in franchise history they have five prospects in the top 100. Yep. For uh, Baseball America, 
Adley Rutschman, number one. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, number six. D.L. Hall, number 52. Gunnar Henderson checking in at number 57. And Colton Kalzer at number 98. This in, this next list I find very interesting. Baseball prospectus. Adley Rutschman, number two. Grayson Rodriguez, number five. Mm-hmm. Colton Kalzer, number 46. D.L. Hall, number 80. And Gunnar Henderson, number 88. Orioles well represented. Same five guys in each listing. I want to talk about the baseball prospectus one for a second okay. here. Uh, because Rutschman's number two, which means that Bobby Witt Jr. is number one. And when I looked, yeah. he is. He's number one. Uh, Colton Kalzer, 52 spots higher yeah. in Baseball Prospectus' rankings than Baseball America. What do you make of that? I actually agree much more with Prospectus on this one. Uh, I you know, I, I think Kalzer is a guy who, I mean, he, he performed at a low level. I'll, I'll give it that. It was it was not you know double A AA or triple A where you know he's probably going to be this year. But uh, he performed. He hit three seventy five. His on base percentage was almost five hundred. I believe it was four ninety. The guy hit the cover off the ball. He had power that he didn't really show in that much in college. He was driving the ball to all fields. Just a beautiful swing. I mean, Colton Kowser was the the best performer down the end, the stretch of the end of the minor league season for the Orioles. And the guy really deserves, you know, he was the number five overall pick. He deserves to be high up in that top 100 because we haven't seen any sort of, of I guess, uh, evidence yet that he can't do what he just did in 2021. So, obviously, he's going to come out in 2022 and have to replicate that at, he's at not higher levels. And he's not going to hit 375, but if, it, but if, it, if he, uh, you know, hits 325 or 350 or somewhere around that, and that's possible. I, don't, I wouldn't say it's not. I mean, Juan Franco's done it. Um, you know, Vladimir Guerrero did it. It's it's the, possible. Those I'm high. I'm high on this guy. I mean, he he's a he's a very very good contact hitter with an excellent eye and a guy that just knows how to drive the ball to all fields. And those are the guys who hit well. You just compared him though to Wander Franco. I'm not and though. Vladimir I'm not. Guerrero. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying they've done it in the past though. It's not like it's impossible. It's not, yeah, to it's do. not unheard of. I, I don't. I ex- I expect him to have some growing pains because okay. because fair. he's one of those guys. He's a college guy, so he, yes. he he dominated the Florida Complex League, yeah. which you expect him to do. And then he dominated Del Marva yep. because he's playing with guys whose skill set is below his because he's yes. playing in college. Yes. He should have been. They're not going to get a guy, start a guy in his first full in his first taste of pro ball for a couple of months. They're not going to put him at high A. No, but he's going to start at high A this year. Yep, and he's probably going to be on the same track as Jordan Westberg, where he's going to start right. at high A. He's going to well, Westberg started out at Del Marva, but I expect Cal uh, to start out at, at high A within a month or six weeks, be a double-A, and be knocking on the door of triple-A. And I expect him to be, based on what we've heard about this guy and how quickly they say he could move, I expect him to be knocking on the door of Camden Yards in 2023. Oh, I do too. And I would say if his on-base percentage isn't 400 this year or above, I'd be pretty surprised. I think this is a guy who's going to get on base in an unbelievable clip because of the way he makes contact with the ball and his eye is able to draw walks and, and not strike out too much either. And, and this is a guy to me that should not be ranked 98th. I think he should be around that 50 or maybe just a little bit lower mark. I think that's a really good spot for him. I think 98 kind of discredits what he did in 2021, and he was really he was one of the best prospects that, that uh, was drafted in 2021 to play in 2021. He, he blew away basically everyone else's numbers. And he did that in 2021? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he did, but I, I know you I'm saying said, I know I'm saying it a lot. a lot. I know I'm saying it a lot, but look, it's just true. I'm, I'm high on Colton Cowser. Um, you know, I, I still I'll say this forever. I'll still I still would have picked Cleo Watson over him personally, but I think Cowser is a, it was a really good pick for the Orioles, and he he certainly showed what he can do. Oh, absolutely, and um, I find it interesting, and I think it's because of his age mm-hmm. al- alone that Gunnar Henderson is on this list, and Jordan Westbrook is not because Jordan Westbrook had a better yeah. Game. 
Jordan, yeah. Jordan Westbrook had the better year uh, last year. More, uh, he didn't have more home runs. He had two less home runs, but he had more RBIs, higher batting average, higher on base percentage. Um, Jordan Westbrook on the outside looking in of this top 100. Now, Baseball America has him in their top 15 just on the outside looking in. Right. Uh, do you think it's basically just because of age that Westbrook didn't make this list where, where it can, uh, over Gunnar Henderson? It could be. Um, you know, I, I, maybe they're looking at projection. You know, five years down the road, who's going to be the better player? It might be Henderson just because he may be able to fill out a little bit more body-wise. I mean, he's still only, what, 19, 20 years old. The mm-hmm. guy has you know, a lot of room to grow, probably, and he's already gotten significantly bigger and stronger since he was drafted. Um, so maybe they're looking at that as, as sort of a projection thing. Gunnar Henderson could be a 60-power guy in, in a year or two. Um, where they're looking at Westberg as more, you know, maybe already a finished product since he is 22, 23 years old, mm-hmm. and that's probably why. Um, so I do think it's it's a lot about age, but it's also, I think, about projection and just the way their bodies are going to develop in the next few years. All right, and then there's, I mean, the other, the, Rutschman and Rodriguez, we don't need to talk yeah, about them. I mean, We're going to talk about them yeah. later in, in, in Orioles, but we're going to talk about all these guys a little bit more in depth in Orioles banter today coming up later on the show. Um, but D.L. Hall, we had J.J. Cooper on Glenn Clark Radio the other day. Okay. And we asked him about D.L. Hall because Mm -hmm. Hall, for all of his great stuff and his power arm, he's never thrown more than 90 innings in in a season. Last year, he threw 31 and two-thirds before being shut down with elbow tendonitis. He just got back on a mound the other day. Um, This is a guy with all the stuff in the world. We asked him why he was ranked so highly um, on J.J. Cooper's list. and Basically, uh, I heard from, not J.J. Cooper, but I heard of the Baseball America... um, podcast yeah. that uh, D.L. Hall could be the number one pitching prospect in baseball after Grayson Rodriguez um, graduates. It's up to him to perform. They said, that, But J- what J.J. Cooper said was his stuff is comparable. It's right up there with Grayson Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. The difference is uh, Hall uh, struggles to throw strikes consistently. Yeah. And he hasn't stayed on the field. He hasn't been on the field. He, I mean, he's now entering his fifth season in the Orioles organization. And he's never thrown more than 90 innings. Look, you have to start being realistic with D.L. Hall. I want this guy to be a legitimate starting pitcher for the Orioles. And I think he can be. But at what point do they start thinking this guy's a reliever? Well, look, I, I hear a lot of people talking about control and command with D.L. Hall. And they say, well, you know, he doesn't have control. And I'm going, no, he has control. They, he wouldn't be here if he didn't have control. But D.L. Hall does not yet have command for me. He does. He just doesn't have the ability to put a pitch where he needs it to be consistently. And that's the problem with, with Hall at the moment for me and, and why I believe he's a reliever risk. And also, I think the reliever risk comes from the fact that he's always injured and that he hasn't thrown more than 90 innings in a full season. And that's... Two big things right there. Well, I, is he always injured? This is uh, it's been a few times now, and it just, it just doesn't seem like he's putting together these these long seasons. And the minor league season isn't as long as the major league mm-hmm. season, so that just brings concern for me. Well, he needs to go out there this year, and uh, and again, we don't want to take away from our other segment in the show, the, sure. from the Orioles banter segment. But he needs to go out there this year, and he needs to prove that yes. he can stay on the mound and he can dominate at the upper levels. Right. Double uh, A or triple A for him to start this year? I think double A. Uh, just ease him in a little bit for coming back from the injury. He's just throwing off the mound now. I saw yesterday he would po- uh, posted some stuff on Instagram about him throwing off the mound. So that's good to see. Uh, but I think they'll ease him in a little bit, move him up if he uh, if he has has really a lot of success. But the thing I'll say about him too is that the stuff is there. We all know that the slider's deadly. He's got a great fastball. It's just about now putting together stuff with command. Grayson Rodriguez puts together stuff and command perfectly. That's why Grayson Rodriguez is Grayson Rodriguez. He can do that. But D.L. Hall is not in that 
echelon of pitchers yet if he can't put together stuff in command. He's just got to do that this season and show that he can stay healthy as well. I will tell you, it is really refreshing to hear um, J.J. Cooper talk about Grayson Rodriguez and talk about him as potentially one of the elite pitchers yeah. in the yeah. game. I mean, and it's crazy because we had, when he got drafted in 2018, we had never heard of this guy. Right. The Orioles take right. him at number 11. He was supposed to be a back end of the first round, maybe a second round pick. And then they, they called him on MLB Network the biggest pop-up uh, prospect mm-hmm. in the draft. That he just really uh, took control of his game and really improved in all aspects and, and his size and his mm-hmm. body conditioning uh, in his senior year in high school. And that this was a solid pick for the Orioles at number 11. And all he's done is dominate. Perform. And, and all, yeah. it's all he's I mean, consistently... Day in, day out, year in, year out, um, and knock on wood, he's been healthy. Yes, he 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 stayed healthy. So uh, I think you have to be so excited for Grayson Rodriguez. Now that leads you me do. that leads me into getting back to the wall a little bit. And we spent the entire show the wall talking about the wall, <laughs> the wall last week, and and it's not so much about the dimensions, but what this wall pushback signifies, mm-hmm. um, because the Orioles now have one of the deepest left fields in all of baseball, up there with PNC Park and Coors Field. I, I, I saw this on social media the other day. I think they're in the top three for deepest left field dimensions in all of baseball. Are the Orioles resigning themselves to the fact that they don't have many pitching prospects beyond Hall and Rodriguez, and therefore they're going to have to go out and sign free agents? Uh, the top of the system is pretty bare. You can look at... Kyle Bradish and Kevin Smith and Michael Ballman, and you can be like, okay, those guys might be something, but they it, that's it. They might be something. You don't you don't expect them to be world beaters. You're not sure. you're not convinced that you have the next John Means in those three. Um, and then you look at the lower levels. Uh, you have Jim Pinto, and you have Zach Peak, and you have uh, Luis Ortiz, and these guys are exciting arms, but they're at the lower levels of the minors. They're an A ball. Uh, I, I I think. Pinto has a chance to start a double A this year. But you look at those guys, how bare is this system? Because we talk about it on GCR all the time that Dan Connolly wrote this article last year for The Athletic that he got ripped apart for saying that the Orioles don't have pitching prospects. After Hall, at the upper levels, he's right. After Hall and Rodriguez, it's a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. It's a crapshoot throughout your entire farm system. This Orioles regime, they go in the draft and they draft college hitters. Mm-hmm. Is this, which is the exact opposite of what Andy McPhail said when he was here, where they, he said, we're going to grow the arms and we're going to buy the bats. It yeah. seems like the Orioles are growing the bats and they're opposite, planning yeah. to buy the arms. What is your thought on this? And do you see other pitchers that maybe aren't on the radar yet that you think will be? Well, I, I I agree with Dan Connolly that there aren't a lot of, of pitchers in this top part of the organization that are going to make an immediate impact. And... I think that's definitely a problem, and I think it's one that people kind of ignore because the Orioles have so much in that farm system that people don't really talk about the fact that there's not a lot of great pitching besides D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, but I'm not sure if they they did this move, you know, that, that, that moving the wall back and, and changing the dimensions because of that. I don't really think those two are correlated because th- this wall is going to be there now forever in Camden Yards for the next 30, 40 years, whatever it is. And... To me, that's a, a change that you don't make just because of, of a current situation, right? Like, this is a long-term thing as opposed to a short-term thing. They're not just going to move the wall back for two seasons and then say, okay, we have the pitching now, so let's pull it back in. I think this is a move just to catch up with the rest of, of baseball and say, okay, we're, you know, we're going to make this a little more of a level playing field. 
But the Orioles certainly do need to recognize the problem that they don't have a lot of pitching that's coming up right now and that they're going to need to buy arms and they're going to need to trade for arms. It's just unfortunate that that's the way it's going to be. But when you develop a system with as many good hitters as the Orioles have, I mean, you, you can rattle off a list of, of 15 guys that could be you know really good contributors in the next two or three years, and you could name probably three or four that are going to be pitchers. And that's just kind of a problem that the Orioles are going to have to recognize and, and, and fix. And I think they can easily do that. Um, you know, in the next two or three drafts, they can start drafting arms and, and drafting them high up. And then, of course, buying arms, as we've talked about before. But it's a problem you've got you've to recognize and fix. Well, and then you look at what they already have. Uh, Dean Kramer, Alexander Wells, yep. um, Keegan Aiken, and uh, Zach Lowther. Right. And I, I look at those guys, and I'm underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You know, we were we were going into last year. We were so excited about Dean Kramer. You right. know, we saw those offseason videos of him hitting 96 in the bullpen, and then uh, he had the, the the nice debut at towards the end of 2020. Yeah, and then he fell off a cliff last week. Can we expect a bounce back from Dean Kramer when you look at Alexander Wells? What what he's such a soft tosser and he's supposed to have command which he did not have at the major league level. Zach Lowther, I mean he's a guy. You know, he had he had <laughs> That's the way to put it. Yeah. yeah. I mean he he, he had uh, a really nice appearance. I think he came in through like three shutout innings in relief or maybe it was five innings of one run ball in relief uh, towards the end of the year. I believe it was against Boston last yeah. year and then Keegan Aiken showed flashes towards the end of the year. But can the Orioles trust these guys? They're gonna so the, the, all these guys are gonna get starts mm-hmm. for this team. Can the Orioles trust them, or are we looking at a repeat from last year? I mean, I, I guess that's a harder question to answer because it's a new year and sure. we haven't seen we haven't seen anybody doing anything yet. But how much can you really trust these guys? I don't think you can. I I just don't think we've seen anything from any of them except Dean Kramer. He's been a, you know successful in some spots where you feel like okay, Dean Kramer is going to be a guy. And, w- and like you said, we were really excited about Dean Kramer because he has shown flashes of this great potential with that great twelve six curveball he has and the ability to command the fastball. It's he, he's shown it. But he fell off a cliff last year. He lost all confidence. So I don't know what to expect from Dean Kramer. I have no idea. Zach Lowther, Alex Wells, Keegan Aiken. I, I kind of group them into this trio of just meh, right? Uh, that's the way I look at it right now. It's just, okay, they're, they're, they're fine. They're going to get some starts. They're going to throw some innings. I don't know if they're going to prove anything. I think Dean Kramer is a much better chance to prove something and, and prove he's a chance um, to be a part of this rotation for a long time. But I look at Lowther, Aiken, and Wells, and I just don't really see a lot of projection there where you're going to look at them three years down the road and go, this really changed the course of our franchise. I just think they're they're – going to be good spot starters for a little while, and that's about it. They're just guys, right? They're just right. guys. Um, the good news is that Major League Baseball and the Players Union met. Uh, yep. They met last week, nothing or two week, a week and a half ago. Nothing came from it. Um, and now they're planning to meet again on Monday with the Players Union giving a counterproposal mm-hmm. for the for, for a new CBA. It's I, Again, I don't expect anything to come from this. It, yeah. In my heart of hearts, I firmly believe what's going to happen is – they're going to reach a deal on March 1st. I think they're going to reach a deal on March 1st. They're going to have four weeks of spring training, and the mm. season's going to start on time. Um, but it's good that they're meeting. Do you have any hope um, or expectations beyond that, beyond the fact that they're meeting? Yeah, I, I agree with you that I don't think a deal is coming right now. It's just not going to happen. Um, if, if you're looking at this and expecting a deal to, to, to happen in the second meeting of them, 
it's probably going to last uh, 15 minutes, this meeting, and it's probably going to go nowhere, unfortunately. But it's good. It, it's good that they're meeting, and it's positive news that they're at least willing to come to the table and talk. Because we've talked about in past weeks that their inability to come to the table and talk at all is a, a huge factor in setting back this whole process. And I, I agree with you. I think I was looking at like the February 25th, 26th, somewhere around there, like right at the beginning of spring training to be when they would actually make this agreement. But it could be March 1st, and they could shorten spring training a little bit. And, uh, and I'm sure players really would wouldn't mind that too much. I think they'd probably appreciate that. Less stress on their bodies for the entire season. So look, I mean, I I think March 1st makes a lot of sense, and I could see that happening. The, and I, I think it's good they're meeting now. The only thing with March 1st is... Now, I didn't think about this when but the number just stands out in my head mm-hmm. because it would give them basically exactly four It weeks. makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. However, the free agent frenzy. Uh, and yeah. Are the, are, are the players going to want to get a deal done quicker than that because of the fact that a lot of these guys don't know where they're going, who sure. they're playing for, where they're playing in 2022, and it's going to be, like I said, a frenzy. Of, uh, uh, right. uh, it's going to be, you know, we got to sign, we got to sign, we got to sign, because right. we got we to get where we're going to be. Uh, well, I guess it depends on, on... And if that happens on March 1st, how many players are going to get into, are, are going to be able to get into, into the baseball shape, not knowing where they're yeah. going to be, and... So uh, hopefully it's before them, but again, March 1st just sticks out of my head. We were supposed to talk about the Orioles' international signings, and Zach did a little bit of research for me last night. And Unfortunately, we didn't get an opportunity to get to that because we got to get Stan on the line. We'll get to that in banter. But, but yep. we'll, we'll talk about it. we got we got plenty of time in banter. While Zach gets uh, Stan on the line, the rest of the show for today, we have uh, Stan the Fan Charles in a matter of moments. We're going to talk about uh, the Players' Union and the Major League Baseball meeting, the Orioles' prospects, and... Um, just all things Orioles with Stan here in just a moment. Then we have uh, a really special show today. Orioles Senior Director of International Scouting, Kobe Perez, is going to come on at 11 o'clock, talk about the Orioles International Soundings, the Dominican uh, Baseball Academy, and uh, how they broke ground and how, how far along that's coming. Uh, then Zach's going to sound off a little bit, and then we're going to get to Orioles banter before Zach uh, gives us some trivia to close things out here on the battle round. Uh, but... With that in mind, we do have Stan the Fan Charles on the line with us right now. Stan, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Paul. Good morning. What's going on? Uh, not too much. We're talking about uh, the Orioles having about the Orioles having um, five prospects in the top 100 in Baseball America and the top 101 in Baseball Prospectus. Um, how important – we're looking at Gunnar Henderson first and foremost. He's rated 57th overall in all of baseball for the top 100 prospects, stand. How important is it for the Orioles to have a middle infielder in the top 100 and rated that highly after not really having anybody for that position since Jonathan Scope and Manny Machado? Uh, I mean, it's, it's important. Uh, the sheer numbers of, of players in the top 100 is the overall more important thing that there's – that there is some, you know, top level talent in the organization. You know, no question about it. Oh, but I, we got to remember that Gunnar Henderson is still, what's he, twenty years old now? I believe he's twenty years old now. Yeah. So uh, he played last year at uh, Delmarva and Aberdeen, and even got in a few at bats at uh, Bowie last year. Uh, and at each level, he did a little bit you know, lesser in terms of uh, batting average and, and uh, you know, the important numbers. But overall, for the season, he had a pretty decent year. Yeah, and when you 
think about the fact that this is a high school kid who had two months of baseball after he was drafted. It was really his first full pro season this past year, and the fact that he played at three levels I think is really telling him what the Orioles see in him. Another guy that did the same thing in his first pro year uh, was Jordan Westberg. Now, he came out of college. He was, a, he was a college player, so you kind of expected him to play a little bit better, and he did have a better year than Gunnar Henderson, but he missed the top 100 despite having a better year across the board. Do you think that he missed out on the top 100 just because Gunnar is a couple of years younger? Uh, I'm not quite sure how how they factor everything in, but, I um, mean, he's clearly, you know, he's probably in the top 125, so... You know, you have six in the top 125. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I firmly agree with you uh, uh, there. Sticking with Henderson here a little bit, uh, we had J.J. Cooper on GCR the other day, and he said that he thinks that Gunnar Henderson, if he has to, can stay at shortstop. But he thinks it's it's going to be better for his career overall if he moves over to third base, and he thinks he's going to be a really good defender at third base. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that the Orioles maybe have – we don't know what the Orioles are thinking internally, but if J.J. Cooper is saying this, do you think that it's in the Orioles' minds that, hey, Gunnar Henderson's probably our third baseman of the future? Um, you know, listen, uh, you know, a lot can happen uh, between 20 and 22 when he's up here, you know, how much weight he puts on and all that. I saw him play uh, one game last year at Aberdeen, and he made a couple really nice plays out there at shortstop. So... It's nice that he can play shortstop right now, and he could he could perhaps make his major league debut at shortstop um, because there doesn't seem to be uh, anybody tremendous in his way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've heard all along that they think third base is the the, the more probable landing spot for him eventually. Stan, we've only seen Gunner get stronger and bigger as it's gone on through his career. He's gotten to be, you know, a pretty big guy now with, with, I guess, more of a limited mobile profile now. When you you start to build out muscle, obviously you get a little less mobile and agile. Does that concern you at all for for being on the left side of the infield, or do you, do you think that makes him more of a candidate to go to one of the corner outfield spots? I think Gunner Henderson will will play an infield spot. Okay, you know. For much of his career, I have yeah. my concerns about it. I got to be honest. I I don't, I don't know. It, it, his his body profile just seems to me more like a corner outfielder than it does an infield. Well, how many times? How many how many times did you see him last? Year? I saw him three times. Three times. Okay. Yeah. And where where did you see him play? Uh, I saw him at both shortstop and third base. So okay. and he looked he looked okay. Um, he did make one error one of the games I was in at shortstop. Uh, he botched mm-hmm. a ball going short, but um, it happens every once in a while, and every every guy makes errors. But I do have my concerns, so we'll we'll see what happens. Okay, I mean Cal Ripken was a pretty big guy. He was, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, broke the mold too. Yeah, yeah. Manny Machado is a big guy. He moved yes. to third base and became one of the best defenders we've ever seen. Yep. It, it's it's not unprecedented. Now, uh, Stan, the Orioles are leaving a serious mark on the international market. They signed 27 players last weekend to um, to agreements, and we know the names of the top three guys. Uh, where you have Braylon Tavera, you have Cesar Prieto, and um, Leandro um, Arias. Where are the Prieto, Prieto's the 22-year-old, right? Yes, he's he's a 22-year-old. Yeah. Um, with these signings, and they're, they're signing uh, seven-figure deals now, and uh, they gave Braylon Tavera the biggest the biggest bonus that they've ever given in an, an international signee. 
How far along are the Orioles in their international efforts? We know that they were behind the eight ball because of the previous regime. Are they still chasing the rest of the league, or do you think that they've called up to this point? I wouldn't quite say they've caught up. I'd say that they've made substantial strides in just three years. You know, from where they from where they started, uh, this is clearly the 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 most concerted, consistent effort that they've made as an organization to bring in uh, young uh, Latin, you know, international talent. You know, now which th- again, which again isn't limited by draft picks at this point in time. It's only limited by uh, how much money and the connections you have. And I'd say Kobe Perez has done a terrific job at, in a short time, getting the Orioles up to speed where they're competitive now in that in that marketplace. Yeah, we actually have Kobe Perez coming on the show right after you, Stan, so we're going to talk to him about that further. Yeah. Um, the thing about it is we're looking at this team, and just like the the, uh, I didn't look at the entire list. I know that they signed some pitchers, but these top guys that they're getting in the international market in the major league draft are not pitchers. And Dan Connolly wrote an article about this last last year in the Athletic that he got frankly ripped apart for by a lot of people, um, saying that the Orioles are pretty barren in the pitching department in their farm system beyond Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. Do you agree with that sentiment, and do you believe that the organization has resigned itself to the fact that they're going to have to sign free agent pitchers to compete here? Uh, That's a a tough call. I'm I'm not really that aware of too many other big names after you get by Hall and Rodriguez. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, as we talk about the two of them, I'll give you my concerns about them. Um, so I, I don't know exactly what the plans are because top-tier free agent pitching or even mid-level free agent pitching is awfully expensive. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite clear. I get the fact <clears throat> that when you're drafting players and you're giving them fairly substantial bonus money, you, you'd hate to see that go immediately awry with uh, Tommy John surgeries and injuries, and, uh, you know, it's a volatile position in terms of consistent growth going to the major leagues, you know. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not the same for pitchers. There's just too many speed bumps that they hit, either talent-wise, development-wise, or injury wise so i understand why you would spend a lot more of your of your grub stake trying to get offensive players but at the end of the day you have to have pitching you have to have a plan um i don't i don't know i don't know where it's where it's going to come from at this point in time yeah i am excited overall by the the, the clearly highest level of talent that they've had you know, in the minor leagues in a long, long time. And it's great to see that. But again, the pitching is its sort of a mystery to me right now how they intend to uh, compete with the pitching that they have. Yeah, and you look at a guy like D.L. Hall, and when we talked to J.J. Cooper, he, he even said Hall's stuff is right up there with Grayson Rodriguez. It's his inability to command the ball uh, as much as Grayson Rodriguez can, and his inability, to, frankly, to stay on the field. Stan, D.L. Hall's entering his fifth season in this organization, believe it or not, and he has never thrown more than 90 in the third innings in a single season. 
at what point are the Orioles kind of looking at this and saying, this guy can be a really formidable starter, but you know, it's been five years. We got to get him up here. Maybe he's a reliever. Um, I mean, it's it's definitely concerning. It's concerning to me both about Hall and and look the combination of DL Hall missing the twenty twenty season. You know, and I don't remember was he at the. Uh, you know, was he part of the the primary workout spot? What was it called? The alternative site. He was. I don't remember if he if he was there the whole time. How much he, how many innings he got in. You know, but the bottom line is, uh, he he got seven games in this year and made third and pitched thirty six and two thirds innings. You know, uh, his total innings pitched. From 2018, 19, 20, and 21, when you give him a zero for 20, that's three seasons he's thrown 217 innings. Uh, you know, the numbers uh, 1.24 whip, a 299 ERA, 284 strikeouts, and 217 innings, those are all good. But again, the, uh, you know, the average innings that he's getting in is just very weak. And I got to tell you, I have the same concern with Grayson Rodriguez. Not quite as severe, but they've really babied him. Um, you know, he, this past year he got in twenty-three games, a hundred and three innings. Yeah. Which, when you divide twenty-three into a hundred and three point one innings, it's four point four nine innings per game. Yeah. Know. Yeah, it's. That, um... That's. I'm not saying that's like. I'm not saying that's a reliever or, or a or an opener, but it's it's not what I want to see development wise for my starting pitcher at that age. I'd like to see him going five and two thirds, six and two thirds. You know, in that in that ballpark, that sweet spot that shows you he can get deep in games because this does not this this resume of his. While the the overall numbers are spectacular, there's that there's that missing ingredient, which is can he really start and go deep and give you innings in, in a in a in a season, and that's still yet to be proven. Um, and I would think that the half season he'll get in this year, probably or two thirds of the season at Norfolk, I would think that that's got to be. Uh, sort of part of his development now is to take the training wheels off a little bit and see if he can give you six innings and and how effective is he after he gets by four innings, you know? Yeah, Stan, no, I I, I agree with you. Unfortunately, yours in my opinion about how baseball, about how pitchers should be developed is becoming an old-school mentality because if you look at the game as it's developing and evolving right now, they only really expect starting pitchers to go five innings anymore, and that you better have a lockdown, shutdown bullpen that can come in and get you out for the last four innings of the game. I'm with you. I would, I want to see Grayson Rodriguez go out there and be able to give you six to seven innings, mm-hmm. and every now and again a complete game or eight innings uh, when he goes out, to, out there to make a start. Now, I do think that some of that was limited this past year because there was no minor league season. A lot of these guys, they were trying to kind of baby them back into things because they hadn't thrown much the year before. And yeah. then, you know, So I, I think there's something there, but I agree with you, Stan. you you got to get that number up to about five and two-thirds uh, if he's as good as we think he is. 
I don't think having him throw an extra inning is going to do every start out is going to do much to Yeah, I, the, the the thing is I get the sense that this is the development plan because they just want to they want to they don't want injuries right. in their star couple pitchers, you know, and it, you know, and it's interesting with DL Hall, they clearly baby him as well and they still ended up with an injury, you know. Yeah, a significant it, injury this past year that only allowed them to throw 36 innings. Yeah, and you wonder how how much of that was DL Hall overthrowing. Yeah, you know, and, and maybe there's something in place there where it's like, look, your stuff is good enough; you don't need to overthrow. Maybe take a couple miles an hour off the fastball and keep yourself healthy so that you can get where you need to go. Um, th- these are all things that are that are definitely, I think, if it's there, if it's in our minds, it's definitely in the Orioles' minds. I'm interested to see once things get back on track here, uh, how things go in 2022 because I think it could be a, a corner-turning season for the Orioles. Now, Sam, we mentioned the Orioles have uh, five top 100 prospects. They have several more knocking on the door. Not every prospect is going to be an Oriole. Do you anticipate any of these fan favorites, whether at the minor league level or at the major league level, being traded? We know that somebody's going to get traded. We know that that it's the number crunch. Not everybody's going to play on this team. But do you see somebody like a, a Cedric Mullins or a Jordan Westberg or Gunnar Henderson being traded to bring in pitching? Um, not not at this point in time. No, I I, I don't. Uh, you know, I mean, listen, they're they're in an odd spot with with Cedric Mullins. Um, there's there's no question he had a, a wonderful season. It was a great great story. But I don't see anybody overwhelming the Orioles to get Cedric Mullins after one season like yeah, that. I agree. With the, with the checkered minor league history that he had. You know, it's a beautiful story how he gave up switch hitting and all this, but I've told the cautionary tale of a couple of players, albeit 35 years, 36 years ago, Mike Young and Floyd Rayford, who had had a half, like a half a season just like Mullins' full season this year, and neither one of them ever did anything again. And we, members of the media, uh, fans, we all thought in 1986 that these two guys were really established. Well, now we've got these two guys to go with Murray and Ripken, and neither one of them ever did anything again. So I'm not suggesting that Cedric Mullins will flop, you know, and go back to being a 211. 220 hitter or something like that but the idea that there's going to be no regression in his play from this past year I I think if you bet on that uh, statistically I'd say you'd be betting on the wrong side and I'd say that uh, it's more likely that he'll be like a 260, 265 hitter Mm -hmm. you know and the home runs I don't know that he'll hit 30 home runs again you know I, I like him don't get me wrong, he's a wonderful defensive player, although the arm is is not sufficient. Uh, but but the rest of his game when he's having a year like last year, he was it was remarkable. You know, great story. Stanton, that's a, I, I like that you bring up the arm because my whole gripe with Cedric Mullins since he's been in the league has been his arm. And I love the player. I think that everything else about his game has been has been great the last year and a half. But the arm is a serious issue, Stan. If you have a runner on second base and there's a base hit to center field, that guy's scoring every single time. He doesn't throw anybody out at the plate. 
How much of an issue do you think that is? Do you think that the Orioles are looking at potentially moving Cedric off of center field because of the arm? I, I don't think they're going to move him off of center field anytime soon. Uh, I really wish the organization, you know, this this organization does not appear to really embrace their players, you know, that we all, as long, long-time Oriole fans, and uh, Paul, you're too young to say you're a long, long, long-time Oriole fan, but there's a center fielder that I recall who's probably in the history of the club the second-best center fielder they ever had uh, behind Paul Blair, and that was uh, Al Bumbry. Mm-hmm. And Al Bumbry had a very weak arm. He made up for it by learning how to, to break and get his body in position to, to get the mechanics of throwing sped up. And uh, Al Bumbry became a perfectly adequate thrower who could throw people out. Uh, Cedric Mullins has got some work to do on that, in my opinion. His, his sort of wind-up as he gets the ball, it's, it takes too much time, you know. He's got to get his footwork down a little bit better when he's chasing a ball like a single up the middle that there is a real chance he could throw somebody out. Um, you know, he's he's just not showing that yet at all. It's still, it's probably, um, you know, uh, one. it's the weakest spot of his game. There's no question about it. Oh, ab- absolutely. Hopefully it'll be something he's working on in spring training this year. Now, another guy, uh, Heston. The point, the point I was making, though, is, boy, I would love to see them invite out Bumbry down for two weeks this spring, you know, uh, this spring training, or bring him in during the season and have him work with him a couple times. Mm-hmm. Th- those things, his weakness throwing can can be ameliorated a little bit by getting his mechanics down better. Yeah. And his speed down better, you know. Yeah, Especially and, a guy who runs as fast as he does, who can get the balls quickly that fall in front of him. It's not a question of him sort of slowing down to do that. It's it's to speed up the other aspects of picking up the ball and releasing it and getting in the position. His wind-up is too big. Yeah, and maybe it's also knowing what it, him knowing what his own limitations are and being able to say, "Hey, I got to throw this. I got to get this to the cutoff man. If I'm going to throw yep. home, I got to throw yep. through the cutoff man, and maybe that, that that throw is good enough that it can get home if I'm if I have a shorter target instead of trying to just power up and mm-hmm. get it there. Something yep. that, that I'm sure they're going to work on with him in spring training. Heston Kerstad. Uh, we all know about his battles with myocarditis. He seems to have made a full recovery, and from all reports, he impressed in the fall instructional league and in many camps. And now he could uh, he is expected to receive an invite to big league spring training. Where should we expect Heston Kerstad to begin his his uh, pro career, and how quickly can we realistically expect him to move? Uh, I would I would guess first of all with with how screwed up this spring training is going to be, you know, I, I think it's it's going to impact those kind of young guys that are coming in for cameos. Mm-hmm. I, I think the thing will be sped up so much that I, I don't see much of an appearance on his part in spring training games. I would think that he would probably be able to start at Delmarva. That's, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I think Delmarva makes the most sense, and then hopefully he he plays his way up a couple of levels uh, in. Yeah, you'd like to see if if 
you know, if he's not missing a beat, he shouldn't be there too, too long. Uh, but, but I, again, I don't want them, want them to throw big time pressure at him by speeding up his clock. But I would think if he's at Delmarva for two months and he's doing it and he's showing that he's back, that he would be able to get up to, uh, Aberdeen, you know, yeah, and I, play a substantial part of the season. I think the idea of trying to get him rushed to get him up to triple A is Probably not the best interest. I'd slow it down just a little bit, make sure, you know, whereas whereas if he's really pounding the ball at Delmarva, you might say, boy, after a month he should come up to Aberdeen. Yeah. I would slow that down to another four to six weeks, you know, and, and see that he's really solid at the level he's at and producing and consistent, you know, and, and then bring him up a, a level. And I could see him... If he does extremely well at Aberdeen, doing what Gunnar Henderson did last year, which is help them in the playoffs or something like that, you know. Yeah, I I I agree with you in that aspect. I don't have expectations for him to reach the highest level of the minor leagues this year. No. I think that he could make a cameo at Bowie at the end of the year, and like you said, yeah. potentially help where, them in the playoffs. Where do you guys? I'm curious because I was thinking about it, looking up the stats on these guys. Do you expect Henderson to start at Bowie, or do you think he'll start at Aberdeen? That is a great question, because I've been thinking about that a lot, too, because when he got to Bowie, he struggled quite a bit. Yeah, um, he, his, his power numbers were de- you know somewhat decent, but his, but his batting average went down at each level. I think the thing to do with him is to try and have him at Aberdeen and get 50 games in at Aberdeen and hope, hope that he... He sort of, you know, blows Aberdeen away, and then he finishes up solidly at uh, Bowie, you know. I'm inclined to agree with you on that. I I think that that's ultimately where they're going to start him. I don't know that it's going to be 50 games. It might be a month um, if if he's hitting well enough to to advance up to double-A. But I also can see them saying, we don't want to shake this kid's confidence. We're going to put him at Bowie. and we're, but but you can go on either side there, saying you can shake his confidence by putting him at Bowie and he doesn't perform well, or by saying we don't believe you can handle Bowie and putting him at, at Aberdeen. It's gonna be interesting how they handle him. Hey, hey, I know you got Kobe Perez coming up. I was the guy who asked the question at the press conference that elicited the response that the comp was uh, Matt Nick Madrigal, uh, that they think Brietto is kind of that player. Um, Make sure you ask him about his own base percentage and how incredible that is that this is a young kid whose who's, who's on base percentage was in the 470s. I mean, that's just remarkable. Yeah, I, I heard the Nick Madrigal comps as well, and I love that because I love Nick Madrigal. I, I want a guy who can put the ball in play, who can get on base, and if, if they got a player like that in Prieto, I'm certainly excited about and, that. And, you know, the fact that he's 22... Um, they might have just stepped into something, uh, you know, there's an old expression, you stepped in dog shit, it's good luck. They may have really stepped into something with this kid because he might be able to be up here in June or July this year. You know? Yeah, at, at 22 years old, you have to imagine he's an advanced prospect and that there, there could yeah. be a... a yeah, a when you see a, a, a Cuban national team and an on-base percentage of 478, you know, 
um, that's a guy who knows how to get on base. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Now, real quick, Stan, before we go, Major League Baseball and the Players Union, they're going to meet to, uh, on Monday. Players are expected to make a counter-proposal uh, to the major, to Major League Baseball's proposal from last Thursday. Um, I don't have expectations anything's getting done from this, but it's it's at least good that they're meeting that quickly again, right? Yeah, you would have liked to have seen them have this kind of meeting pattern starting, you know, like maybe two weeks after the lockout, you know, if they were really sincere about making progress. I anticipate the uh, Players Association will throw out their proposal and uh, the MLB management owners will sort of uh, sort of piss on it the way the players pissed on their, uh, you know, yeah. uh, their proposal. So um, you'd like to see them at least get a glimmer of hope that maybe they say, hey, this is something we can start to tweak, um, you know. I think there's going to have to be some some real attempt to move on that six year to six years to, to free agency. Whether it's sort of uh, coming up with a games uh, number of games that they could chip away at that, you know that if you you know I, I don't know exactly how you do it, but there's got to be some kind of middle ground. Or, or ground that the owners are willing to give up over the next five years of this, you know, let's say it's a five-year deal or a four-year deal, that there's some advancement on that ball, you know, because yeah. I just don't think the players want it to stay at six years. I really don't. Unfortunately, it seems like they need to find middle ground on everything, and they're both, both yeah. sides are unwilling to do that yeah. right now. Stan, yeah. for some reason, March 1st just keeps sticking in my head. I keep thinking that they're going to reach something on March 1st, have four weeks of spring training, and then get the regular season started. But I was talking with Zach about that, but that would, that would mean that the free agency is going to be just a whirlwind um, yeah. if, if they would get a deal done that, that late. Does March 1st sound realistic to you, or do you think it could be a week or two before that? I'll tell you, the, uh, you know, the, these things to me are pretty easily solvable to me, mm-hmm. um, and the clock does start to impact it because nobody really wants to miss checks, and I think management knows what a disaster it would be, uh, you know, especially after you're going ha- you're, you're gonna to be coming off of this incredible uh, postseason in football, you know, when people's clocks are ready for spring training to start. Yeah. And they're going to look really foolish in the midst of this still somewhat raging pandemic to to put the game behind the eight ball. So I really don't – I'm not going to take out a crystal ball and try and guess. I just don't really know. Yeah, you're, you're, you're the smart guy in the room, so I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I hear you there. Stan, thank you so much for joining us. You have uh, right. Don Stanhouse coming up with uh, you and Ross on Monday, correct? Yep. That's correct. We're looking forward to talking to old full pack. All right, we'll be sure to tune in, and we'll, we'll talk to you next weekend. All right, Stan. All right, guys. See, see you later. Take Paul care. and Zach. Bye. That was Stan the Fan Charles joining us for his weekly segment. And Stan has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This past week, Stan and Ross caught up with Hall of Famer Jim Palmer. Then Stan and Gary chatted with Maryland Sports Executive Director Terry Hasseltine. 
Find that show under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video. As we just mentioned, coming up Monday, you won't want to miss it when Stan and Ross catch up with Don Stanhouse, former Orioles closer who was known to give fans a bit of a heart attack, uh, but ultimately come out with the save. He'll be joining them at 6 p.m. on Monday. When we come back in here on the battle round, we're going to have Orioles Senior Director of International Scouting, Kobe Perez, joining us here on the battle round. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. From all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $200 $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. The latest issue of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, we're back here on the Bataround. That's Kobe Perez calling in as we speak. First hour in the books here on the Bataround. I want to remind you that the Bataround is brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. You can bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. I hear they have over 50 self-service kiosks now uh, at the um, FanDuel Sportsbook down there, so go check it out. Glenn and Rita... 
the NFL chick are going to be there for the three o'clock game. I believe that's going to be the um, the Buccaneers and who are the Buccaneers playing this? Why, why can't I remember that right now? Uh, I'm not sure, but it might be the Packers. It, it is. could be. It okay. is. It, yeah. It's going to be uh, Packers. No, the Packers. Packers are playing the 49ers. Are they? Yeah. Mm, okay. Got yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm 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 drawing a blank right now for some reason, but it's going to be the Buccaneers game on at uh, three o'clock on Sunday. Um, Glenn and Reed are going to be down there at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotels. So go down there, hang out with them. They'll teach you how to bet. Have a lot of things going on. Um, they're going to be doing that. Jan- it's the Buccaneers-Rams. It's literally right here in the Reed on January 23rd at 3 o'clock at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Joining us now on the line, he is the Orioles Senior Director of International Scouting. He is Kobe Perez. Kobe, thank you so much for taking some time again for us here this morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing really well. Excited to have you on the program because Orioles made some news this past week with their 27 international signings. Um, they spent over $6.2 million on the international market. Braylon Tavera, Leandro Arias, and Cesar Prieto are the big names. Prieto is 22 years old, considered the best hitter out of Cuba. He is, the thing about him, advanced age for international signing what can we expect his timeline to be, and how big of an impact player can he be? I've heard uh, Nick Madrigal comps on the on-base percentages through the roof. What are we looking at with Cesar Prieto here? Yeah, we uh, we were able to get Cesar Prieto. Um, you know, Cesar has a, has a really really good track record of, of, of hitting. You know, he was he, he's been the you know best hitter in Cuba the past couple of years. Um, has set some records over there. His uh, like you mentioned, his on-base percentage. Um, and his bats and ball skills are really, really good, and they resemble, you know, some of the elite in, in the major leagues. Um, you know, that being said, he, he's also only been in the U.S. for seven or eight months, um, and, you know, it's a, it, it's a growing it's a, it's a growing curve for him, uh, just different culture um, on the baseball field, maybe a little bit of a different style of play. But, uh, you know, as far as his ability, you know, he, he's got a, a lot of ability and, and we think that, you know, he, he's going to move a, a lot faster than uh, maybe some of your typical 16-year-old signs, not only because of his age, but, you know, he's just got, you know, three or four years of professional experience under his belt. Now, this is a guy who was linked to the Houston Astros uh, beforehand, and then there were times with there there were issues with him um, getting out of Cuba. Do you all feel like you kind of got a steal with this guy because he, he you got him for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and he looks like he could be an impact player pretty quickly here? Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was a steal. Uh, I think it was just a good opportunity for us because uh, the the timing of when he came out, um, a lot of teams were already handcuffed. So uh, there was only maybe uh, you know three or four other teams that were able to uh, to do anything. And again, you know, it was a, it was a good situation for him. Um, you know, and and you know there was other suitors, but you know he chose us uh, because you know he felt that uh, the Orioles were were a good fit for him. Oh, excellent. Now, Braylon Tavera, he profiles as a five-tool player. He's going to be 17 next month. We're assuming he's going to play in the Dominican Summer League uh, this coming summer. Um, what player comps uh, does Braylon Tavera draw? Yeah, I mean, Bra- Braylon, you know, he's got a chance at, at, at being a five-tool guy. He does a lot of things. He's a talented kid. Um, you know, as far as physically, um we threw a comp out there that, that kind of he resembles a little bit uh, uh, like uh, the Toronto Blue Jay outfielder uh, Teoscar Hernandez. 
physically and some of his uh, the way the way his swing works. Um, you know, not to say you know Tiasker's a two-time silver slugger. I'm not saying you know Braylon's going to come out and be that right away, but you know that's what we're hoping for. Yeah, if he turns into Teoscar Hernandez, that would be one hell of a player to pick up there. Now we haven't seen—I haven't seen much personally on Leandro Arias. Uh, I know he's an infielder. I know you all like his bat. What can you tell us about Arias uh, and the type of player you think he could become? Yeah, Arias is—he's—he's a, he's a uh, you know switch hitting shortstop. We believe uh, can 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 remain at shortstop. He's a uh, you know very very agile, uh, runs very well. Um, I believe. Some of the publications had him in the top 50 uh, international guys, um, you know, and, and I think a lot has to do with just, you know, he, he shows resemblance of a complete player, you know, defensively, arm strength, switch hits, and, and you know, a, a lot of the, the things we focus on is, uh, you know, bat-to-ball skills, and, you know, he definitely has that, so we, uh, we're excited to get him. Uh, the Orioles, they have top, th- in their top 30, they have some international players. They have Luis Gonzalez, Samuel Basayo, Michael, Michael Hernandez, who you all signed last year during the international signing period. Then you have guys just on the outside looking in, guys like Luis Ortiz and Gene Pinto who came over in that trade with the Angels. How important is it to have international prospects in your top 30, and how close are the Orioles to catching up to the rest of the league after the previous regime pretty much ignored the international market uh, for the most part? I think I think it's really important uh, just for for, for uh, you know maintaining a strong minor league system. Um, you know, as you know, in the draft, we draft players of all ages. You know, eighteen-year-old high school guys, and it can go up to twenty-two, twenty-three-year-old uh, college players. So, um, I think by signing these young players, you know, some of our better prospects will graduate to the major leagues, and then, you know. These uh, Latin guys, a lot of them will start filling in in, in our affiliates, and I think that's when they'll really become uh, well known after they start getting to our our affiliates. And I think this year coming up, you know, it'll start to show uh, in, in Delmarva. So we should have a good group of uh, Latin guys going to Delmarva, and then <clears throat> going forward, you know, they should start uh, every year after that. They'll start, you know, um, starting start to get up the line and. And I think you'll see a lot of uh, good players and, and, and pleasant surprises. Now, where do the Orioles stand as far as their international efforts are concerned? As, as we mentioned before, they, were, they weren't really active in the international market before you got here, Kobe. Uh, have, have you all caught up to the rest of the league? Are you still playing a little bit of catch-up? Where do, where do your efforts stand and how do you feel about this moving forward? Yeah, I feel like we're we're we're, we're caught up now. Um, I, again, for you, to, for you to see your signing class, um, you know, it takes it takes years. So you know, you, you, we signed these guys in uh, 2019, for example, the Ortizes and those guys and Ranghel and like a lot of those guys is now now they'll start to to show because they'll be at an affiliate. You know, if mm-hmm. if everything goes well. So I think uh, as far as the players we're signing, I think we're in the mix. I think for you to start seeing it, I think this is the year where you'll start seeing kind of, uh, you know, these players in action. Um, you know, our 2020 class with Basayo, Hernandez, De Los Santos, and, and a few other guys uh, that are coming over to the States, you know, they'll start um, becoming uh, more, uh, fans will start becoming more familiar with these guys. 
Now, usually during these international signing periods, we tend to see guys come from the Dominican Republic and Cuba and Venezuela. Um, what we haven't seen a lot of is guys coming over from the Asian market, from the Japanese league, from the KBO. How active are you all um, overseas in, in scouting players, and uh, can we expect you to tap into that Asian market moving forward? Yeah, we uh, obviously we scout we scout uh, all the markets. You know, if there's sure. a player, we want to see him. So, you know, we're, we go there. I, I think because of the pandemic, for the last couple of years, it's really been uh, slow, um, just because of the travel, the logistics, and all that. But uh, you know, we're out there looking at those guys as well. Um, you know, sometimes those players, you know, they have their own like major league there in in, in Korea and, and Japan and Taiwan. So sometimes. Uh, you know the the players prefer to to play there um, mm-hmm. because they you know they're in their home country and they can make some money. Um, and then when they do decide to come out, a lot of times they they uh, already have for professional experience. But um, we you know we monitor that market and then, you know we find a fit. You know we're we're not afraid to uh, to go there. Now, one of the first forays that, that that you've made into the international market was in 2019 when Andrew Kashner was traded to the Boston Red Sox for Elio Prado and Noelberth Romero. Um, how how are they coming along? How are they progressing? I saw the Prado didn't really play and he hasn't really played anywhere since 2019, at least as far as uh, his stats he would suggest from baseball reference. Is he getting his work in? How are they coming along? Yeah, they, they're both coming along pretty well. You know, um, the reason Prado hasn't played, he, he had an injury. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, everything's looking good. He was at the instructional league and, you know, he should be in, uh, spring training this year and, and hopefully, you know, he's able to play, uh, and have a good year this year. Um, but yeah, both those guys are, uh, are good looking kids. You know, they're in the mix there and, uh, you know, along with other guys that we, we acquired in, tr- in trade. So, you know, I think, uh, our lower levels, you know, they'll be pretty strong. Now, the last time we had you on the show, Kobe, was to talk about the new Dominican Academy that the Orioles were breaking ground on, um, back, and they finally broke ground back in October, and I know this is supposed to be a 12- to 18-month um, process to get that thing up and running. How are things coming along? Are you starting to see substantial growth down there? How are things looking with that new uh, Dominican Academy? Yeah, no, it's looking good. I was just down there. We uh, we were able to uh, to walk the... the uh the the um, the site and you know the the fields are starting to shape up you can tell you know there's a bunch of holes and, and, and construction going on you know I'm not an architect so I couldn't pinpoint everything but but uh, I know they're working there's you know lots of guys out there and uh, moving move, moving moving dirt and 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 getting it ready so we're hoping that you know next year at some point we uh, we're in the ballpark. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly an exciting thing uh, for the Orioles. Just another another uh, feather in your cap for the international market and the, what we're and the international efforts from this franchise. Kobe, we know you are a busy man, so I certainly appreciate you taking some time to come on the bat around today. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend, and hopefully, we'll get to talk to you again this season. Yeah, man. Anytime. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Take care. That was Kobe Perez, the Senior Director of International Scouting for the Baltimore Orioles, giving us a little bit of insight and intel on their international signings. And the fact that a guy like Kobe Perez, Zach, is going to sit there and say, we're called up to the rest of the league, that's exciting. And I think that that, that... that that's been proven. They've given out now over the last two years three six-figure right. deals to international prospects. They have their Dominican Academy. Um, and then they have three 
uh, international prospects in their top 30, which is yeah. important. And you wonder how long it's going to take for some of these other guys to get in there. Uh, Cesar Prieto might, might get in there sometime this year. Sure. I I think he will be. Um, he's a guy that it, you know he could be. You're talking about the Orioles' top 30, correct? Yes. Right. I, I think he will be. I, I really think that he's probably a, a 50 future value guy, 50 overall, and I think that puts him probably in the top 20 for the Orioles. I, I think we'll definitely see him slide in there whenever you know these publications start updating to, to include the international guys. But you know, I, I think overall the Orioles are well above the expectations that people had for them uh, internationally. I mean, it, it takes a very long time to establish yourself because so many of these communities down there, um, you know, in Latin America are very tight knit. And these players, you know, know these scouts and agents and where, you know, the and guys like Kobe Perez for such a long time that, it, you know, these relationships build. So a guy, you know, could have known the Yankees scouting director since he was 10 years old. And that's why he wants to end up, you know, signing with the Yankees because he's known him for so long. And the Orioles just haven't had that because they haven't been there for very long. Um, so to be able to to sign some of these top tier guys this early is very impressive. It's yeah. very impressive. Yeah, it, it's it's exciting, and you look at some of the best players in the game. We've talked about this on the show in the past. Ronald Acuna, Vladimir yep. Guerrero Jr., Juan Soto. These are the best Juan players. Soto. These are the best players in the game. Juan Soto is the best player in baseball. He is. He is so freaking good. Give man. me a Juan Soto on Baltimore, please. Uh, uh, oh my gosh! Can you imagine if one of these guys mm. turned into Juan Soto? I mean, if Braylon Tavera at 19 years old is like, hey. You need me at Camden Yard. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. you, you need yeah. me patrolling that 400-foot wall in left field. The wall. The, the, the wall. <laughs> if we want to talk about that again. No, I, yeah, I mean, look, a lot of the talent in the past few years has been coming from this international market, and it's so stockpiled. Fernando Tatis. Fernando one. Tatis yeah. is a great example. And it, the Orioles just were not they – were, they had their philosophical differences with, with not wanting to get into the international market before. Never really made sense in the first place, but now they're doing it, and they're, they're reaping the benefits from it. Yeah, there was one of those things. Usually I can find a way to get on board. With what the Orioles yeah. do, when I saw that, uh, when Dan Duquette basically said that they had no interest yeah. in the international market, I was like, "What are you thinking?" Right, like, like right. that. I was, I was never on board with that. You know what I mean? And a lot of times, you can convince yourself, yeah. to be on. I couldn't do it. And, and one know? of those frustrating times for me, and and you asked about the Asian market just recently um, when we had, when we had Perez on, and you said, you know, how much are you guys getting into that market? And he said, well, if there's a player there, then we're going to go and scout them, and that makes tons of sense because that's what you do, right? You you, tr- you go try to get the best players possible. The Orioles didn't even make a pitch. To show how it's right, we, 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 uh, we were never going to be in that in that market. Right, like, Which, like why? Can you imagine this regime saying no, that? No, never. They, they, they would, would never. never say they would never. Michael Elias would never say no. Nah, we're, we're not interested. Right. Uh, they, they would have ten guys over there watching this guy play. Right. If, if it's that kind of a talent, right. you know, and you think that they may have landed not a Shohei Otani type of talent. Right. But a, a pretty damn good talent in yeah. Prieto, and it's exciting to hear Kobe sit there and say. This is a guy who could make an impact quickly. Yes, for this team because yeah. he's he, he's an advanced guy. He's been playing professionally for three to four years. I'm excited about him. When I saw that he was 22, I thought to myself, they're not signing this guy to develop him. No, they're signing this guy to bring him over, get him into pro baseball in the in America, and then get him up to the major leagues pretty quickly. From what I do know about the Cuban uh, National League and and what I've heard about it, the competition level there has actually gone down over the past oh, few I'm years. Sure it has. And, you know, generally a guy getting on base at a 470 clip or wherever what Prieto was is not as impressive as it would have been a few years ago, but it's still obviously impressive to have that kind of track record. And he was the best hitter in Cuba. There's Six no doubt strikeouts in, what, 250 players? Yeah, I mean, that's, you can't teach that. That's yeah. just wildly good. The, the bat-to-ball skills. And if you saw him in the videos... 
you can tell that the guy takes everything he does seriously. Yeah. The body alone. Yeah. The, the the guy is in phenomenal shape. He's yeah. like four. He looks like he's like four percent body fat. Mm-hmm. So the the discipline that you need to have that to to keep yourself in that kind of shape, to be able to hit the way that he hits, I'm excited. I'm more excited about him, and it's because he's. It, He's closer, right? But I'm more excited about sure. him than any other prospect uh, that, that that they just signed. And I'm excited about the other guys too, but they're still at a minimum three to five years away, right? Right. So I, I'm I'm for one. I'm excited about Prieto. You know what else I'm excited about? I'm excited about the latest issue of PressBox, which is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. When we come back in, we're going to do some sounding off with Zach Goodman and then Orioles banter. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org need to hone your computer skills to boost your career or maybe you want an it certification ccbc continuing education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field and it's all tuition free from the basics to specialized training we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more it's your choice it's your career call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Urban Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Hey guys, it's Paul Valley, and there's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as I've joined Glenn every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon. There will be some changes, but what won't change is the absolute best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, Thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, 
uh, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. Coach Mark Turgeon. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. You can watch us live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Back in here live on the bat around. Um, that music is super loud. This is really loud. I don't know why it was that loud. I didn't think it was that loud, but it was. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> Fair enough. We're back in here on the bat around uh, talking all things Orioles and baseball right now. Um, Zach. Oh, no. Zach wants to sound off. And, and <laughs> Zach, Zach sends me his sounding off every Friday night. Yep. And I'm usually right on board with him. Mm-hmm. Not on board with this one. Okay. Not on board That's with this okay. one. And, and, That's I, okay. and, and, and I let I let Zach know this last night. Yep. I said, you can do it, man. It's your segment. Yep. But man, <laughs> like you I, I told him he's talking to a wall because I have no input on this. I'm gonna make a lot of people mad with this. And he's this gonna one, make a lot of people mad with this one. But this, go ahead, Zach. What do you have for us for sounding off? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out with a prediction. Uh, my breakout candidate, my minor league breakout candidate. For 2022 is Yankees shortstop Trey Sweeney. Uh, He was taken in the first round, 20th overall by the Yankees in this past draft. And I know I'm hyping up a Yankees prospect here, but I just want to throw this out there. I think Trey Sweeney is going to be a top 100 prospect by the end of this year. I think he's going to assert himself as a top five shortstop prospect in all of baseball. And I think the guy is going to tear the cover off the ball. If you've seen this guy lately, I just saw a video of him uh, swinging this week. The guy's got, I mean, he's always been big. He's, he's a big lefty bat who kind of resembles Gunnar Henderson a little bit in his build, but he's actually even bigger than Henderson, a little bit taller, a little bit more muscular than Henderson. The guy's massive. He just looks like one of those guys that's going to be a great player. Um, I had a rank number 20 in my top 50 of the MLB draft last year when I do that, uh, the draft show that I always do every year. Uh, and Trey Sweeney was a guy that I had ranked very highly. I think MLB Pipeline had him ranked somewhere in the 70s, but I was a little bit higher on him because I, I loved the body and the projection. The guy just looks like he's going to hit absolute tanks. The guy's big. Um, and he has lightning quick hands. He's got a great hit tool. The power, I think, is is still going to come because he's still building that strength in. Um, he, you know, Right now is probably about a 55 power guy, but could get to 60, 65 in the coming years. But uh, when you look at his his body type, it certainly looks like a guy who could hit well uh, for power. But the guy overall is the breakout candidate for me uh, for 2021, or for 2022, excuse me. And I think he's going to be an absolute menace in the AL East for incoming years. But I just wanted to get that out there. That's my prediction. I like making these bold takes. Trey Sweeney, is that his name? Trey Sweeney. Trey Sweeney. Have Uh, have Have you seen him play? No. He's very good. I, I, I'm sure he is. He's very good. I'm sure he is. I'm sure there's plenty of very good players out there who mm-hmm. I haven't seen play. And I have no desire to see this man. <laughs> okay. Fair he's enough. A, he's a Yankees prospect. A Yankees and we're talking prospect. about a Yankees prospect. Yes. Zach's super. I, you could hear it in Zach's voice and in his cadence how excited he is about this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's a Yankees prospect that Zach's talking about on the Orioles-centric show. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's... It's okay. 
It's okay, <laughs> it's I okay. guess. Look, well, I, I, I like to look at things kind of uh, not as an Orioles fan and as a baseball fan, and Trey Sweeney is one of the guys that I'm very excited oh, about. No, no, I'm, not, I'm, I, not, I'm not looking at it as, a, as an Orioles fan. I'm looking I, at it as our audience are, is Orioles fans and probably don't want to know too much about a Yankees prospect. However, I, I just got a text, by the way, uh, from, from a listener who's been on the show before, uh, Eric Garfield, who is uh, under the uh, Twitter handle is what it's called uh eric at eric underscore birdland mm-hmm. he said i watched sweeney like 15 times last year you were so right yeah so there you go and, and <laughs> eric garfield's actually a guy who i was thinking about on the drive in today yes. because that's a guy i want to have on when he's spring training gets gets there because he's down there he's yes. right there at twin lakes park um he's been posting video of heston kerstad it's and looks good it looks yeah. really good uh, so uh look Trey, Trey Mancini, Trey Sweeney. I am. I'm sure he's a great player. I'm. I'm sure that he's going to be a guy who comes up and knocks a cover off the ball and terrorizes mm-hmm. the Orioles for years to come. Um, and, <laughs> and, and I'm glad you have a player that's outside the Orioles organization to be excited about. But that's as far I, as I, I like I, him. That's as far as I'm going to go with okay. him. I'm sure. I'm sure he's a monster. You know, it, it's the Yankees. I'm sure. Like, it's the Yankees, right? So they 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 do their due diligence and they have. Some of the best scouts in the world who go out there sure. and they find these players and they 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 say this is a guy who we think is going to do exactly what Zach Goodman what Zach Goodman said he's going to do. I just can't. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you can't bring yourself to believe it at this point because he's a Yankee. No, 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 I get no, it. I no, get it. no, I believe it. There's not a part of me that mm-hmm. doesn't believe it. It's just he's a Yankee. And okay, you know, fair enough. We, fair enough. We talk about the Orioles. Then that, that I mean that's really all there, all there is to it. But hey, hey, I'm glad you're excited. Okay, I, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm glad, glad that you, you're glad that I'm excited. I'm, I'm glad you're excited. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, Selling off with Zach Goodman was brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. We can bet on sports in Maryland, but we still can't bet online or on our phones. However, you can feel like you're betting and totally legally and right on your phone by playing Underdog Fantasy Football. Player props, parlays, and traditional fantasy games are all available and... We're going to give you some free money to play with. Thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy Football. You can go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Use the code PRESSBOX, and whatever you download, up to $100, we will match. So when Zach goes down goes down there on his way down to D.C. tonight, and he, he bets $13.17, that's all he's got in his, in his that's little, all, that's all in I got his, my entire his bank account. Sp- Spider-Man Velcro wallet. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> but, <laughs> Taking shots in the show now. Uh, he's going to do that uh, on his phone at underdogfantasy.com, and Pressbox will match him that entire $13.17. Uh, you can do that with Underdog Fantasy. I might make my first bet. Okay. Uh, using underdog tonight because people are always talking about these parlays and generally they give you a free a free one. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to see if I if I can make some money if I can make some money maybe uh, for that dog that we're gonna go try and get here uh, in a month. In a oh month really? And a half. Yeah, we're thinking about getting a dog. Uh, we're gonna get a dog. Is it like is it like a, a thing to train you for your first kid? I don't know that we're looking at it like that. You're mm-hmm. not the first person to bring it up that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I've just been. You want uh, a dog? B- bitching and moaning about how much I want a dog ever since I've met Laura. So okay. she finally said to me, babe, babe, we can go in March and look for a dog. And I was <laughs> like, yes. What did you do to get her to say that? Uh, I, I literally just browbeat her about it. Yeah. <laughs> just not, babe, you know what would be really awesome in this house? What a saint. A dog. Wouldn't it be so cute to see our you're cat like a, You're Lena? like a little kid. Man. Like, <laughs> what, that. Wouldn't it be so cute to see our beautiful cat, Lena, playing with a dog? If I get an A on my report card, can we have a dog? <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> hey, I got to go bowling if I got A's on my report card. Really? I, my dad used to take us to this place, 
and it was connected to a bowling alley, and I can't remember what it was called. And oh my gosh, um, maybe one of my sisters knows. Maybe I'll mm. text them during the break and see if they can okay. remember the name. But um, there was this place that my dad took us to, and if you had A's, you got tokens. Okay. For A's, and really? it was like a Chuck E. Cheese, okay. but it wasn't Chuck E. Cheese. And I used like that's the reason that in third grade I got straight A's. <laughs> that's the reason because I was like I really? want because April my sister April got straight A's all the time, mm-hmm. right? And she got all the tokens. And I was like, damn it, I gotta get me some tokens. <laughs> I got straight vengeance. A's. Yeah. I got straight A's in my on my last report card in third grade. So what a way to end the school year and bring in summer than go into this this Chuck E. Cheese like place and get him free tokens for five A's. All right. It was awesome. Nice. Anyway, moving on. Paul's childhood memories. Paul's childhood memories. But I can't, not great memories because I can't remember the damn name of the place. <laughs> I remember where it was. It was in Timonium. It was attached to that bowling okay. alley that's there now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Across from the fairgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. it, this place was attached to it, and I can't remember what it was called. Mm. Cannot remember I what it was called. I don't know either. Anyway, uh, Orioles Bench today. We're going to talk more in depth now about the Orioles in the top 100. And again, if you're just tuning in, the Orioles have placed five players. Five prospects in the top 100 prospects list according to Baseball America. And in the top 101 according to Baseball Prospectus. It's the third time in franchise history they have five players in the top 100. Headlined by Adley Rutschman at number one. DL uh, uh, Grayson Rodriguez at number six. DL Hall at number 52. Gunnar Henderson at number 57. And Colton Kalzer at number 98. So we're going to start off with Adley Rutschman. Number one overall prospect. On baseball prospectus, he's number two behind Bobby Witt, who had a monster here. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, if the Orioles had drafted Bobby Witt, you'd be happy. You'd be talking about him the same way you're sure. talking about Adley Rutschman. Um, but Rutschman, slash 285, 397, 502. 23 homers, 75 RBIs between two levels. He's expected to spend most of, if not all, of 2022 in the big leagues. The only way that he doesn't start in the big leagues is if service time manipulation is still a thing. In, with the new CBA, and so I look at this. Um, sorry, you just stared at me like I'm, so, I'm just I'm in deep thought so, right now. So stone I'm in, I'm cold. In deep I'm just, it, it's throwing me a little bit. But um, uh, look, Adley Rutschman should be the Orioles' opening day catcher. Mm-hmm. Adley Rutschman, the second he steps onto a major league field, is a top five catcher in the game, if not top three, right? So the is there really any art? What argument can the Orioles make to keep him down at the minor leagues? It's not service time manipulation. There isn't one. He's ready. He's shown he's ready. And the guy is, is when he comes up, the day he enters the major leagues will be a top five catcher in baseball. And that's yeah. just the way it is. And, you know, he'll be a gold glove candidate the day he steps on the field. He'll be a silver slugger candidate the day he steps on the field. This guy is a complete player who's shown at every level he can hit the ball well. Um, I, I remember Michael Elias over the summer saying, you know, we, we saw him down in Bowie. He was great. Then we sent him to AAA, and he was better. Mm-hmm. And you know, and that's not entirely surprising because a lot of the talent, the best talent you face, is in Bowie um, at the AA level because there's guys. The t- usually the top, top prospects for teams are at the AA level for the majority of, of the time. Um, but Rutschman, you know, has proved at every level he's the guy. He's the guy who should be up here, and, and he's nothing left to prove really. Well, and but to make the argument for him being better at Norfolk, a lot of pitchers in Norfolk. Are guys who have major league experience. Yeah, that's there's true. a lot of guys in there that have major league experience, and you don't get to the major leagues if you don't have explosive stuff. Right. Unless you know you're a part of the Orioles 2021 minor league. Tom Eshelman. Yeah, Tom Eshelman <laughs> or Spencer. For Rockins. example. Um, but yeah, no. And then the thing about Rutschman, he had a bit of a swoon there mm-hmm. in May, where he was just end of May, beginning of June. I think it was a 27 game stretch where he was 
not good. Mm-hmm. I, I a lot of people didn't notice it because the totality of the season was so great. Right. I happened to notice it because I was checking the box scores every day, and I was trying to watch Adley's at bats on um, uh, minor league minor league baseball TV. And I noticed that he had a long stretch there where he just was not performing well and made me nervous. And then you find out that he kind of started looking at Juan, Juan Soto's swing. And he started looking at Cody Bellinger's swing. Mm-hmm. And he took more from Soto's swing than Bellinger's swing, but trying to fi- trying to fix what was ailing him uh, as far as the swoon that he was in. And then he, he writes the ship mm-hmm. and then goes up to Norfolk and just tears the freaking cover off the ball. Yeah. This is a guy. And when we talked to J.J. Cooper earlier this week, Glenn asked him if, if Rutschman was a— if Rutschman was a t- was a first base prospect, where would he be in the rankings? And he said he'd probably still be a top ten, top fifteen player, but he wouldn't be number one. He's number one because the bat, switch hitter, power from both sides, the bat to go along with the Gold Glove caliber defense, the arm, the ability to call a game, it makes him an otherworldly prospect. Yeah. It's not just Rutschman's bat; it's his. It it's. His entire game, his defense, his arm, his um, being in tune with the pitching staff, and then with a bat on top of that, that's why he's number one prospect in baseball. So I think he's going to be here sooner rather than later this year, hopefully on opening day. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez coming in number six He uh, overall, uh, Orioles' second prospect. He's 9-1, and one, the top pitching prospect in all of baseball. 9-1, and one, 236 ERA, 161 Ks, and 103 innings. Pitched over 23 starts um, between two levels in 2021. He's expected to begin the season in Norfolk, but could make his way to Baltimore before too long. Now, Stan says he expects him to spend half, if not two-thirds of the season in Norfolk. I agree with that. Um, do you agree with Stan that this is going to be one of those things where he... They're going to try and lengthen him. They're going to try and get get him to start going six, seven innings and starts. Yeah, I mean, I remember there was a podcast last year, and I can't remember who it was by. I want to say it was either MLB Pipeline or Baseball America. One of the two said that there are some concerns, or it could have been Keith Law too. That might might have been him too. But someone was saying that you know Grayson Rodriguez has more or less been babied at the moment, where he's been throwing you know five innings per game. Sometimes they'll let him go four, six. But he hasn't really gone deep into games where it's, you know, seven, eight, nine innings. And that's really what you want to see from an ace. I've looked at Grayson Rodriguez for a long time, and I've said this a few times on the show, as a very similar pitcher to Steven Strasburg. I think he reminds me a lot of him. And when you look at Steven Strasburg, is Strasburg going five innings in games that he's pitching his best? No, he's going seven, eight, nine innings. And that's what you need to see from an ace. And if Rutschman is the ace that the Orioles say he is and that other people think he is, then he's going to have to stop being... You said Rutschman. Oh, Rodriguez. But if if he has to, if he's going to be this ace that people say he is, he's going to have to go seven, eight, nine innings at some point. They're going to have to take the training wheels off him and let him just go as much as he can because we know he can do it. It's just you know, obviously keeping the arm healthy is a priority, and the Orioles have a plan, I'm sure, in place that is is very in tune with his body and how he feels each day. But you've got to let him go a little longer and, and establish himself as more of a guy who can who can take you seven, eight, or nine innings. Yeah, I think that they do need to get him stretched out. And yeah. I, I and we talked about it with Stan. It's baseball has kind of gone in this direction where the emphasis is put more on a back end of a bullpen mm-hmm. rather than it is the starting rotation. If, if you can get and, five I mean, innings you, out of your ro- out of your starter, then you're in a good spot, right? You've got Tampa Bay doing openers these days. And yeah, it's just... and, and and they've got they've gotten away from that more. Like they don't do it as much as they used to because now they have some of these guys who better started, team too. Yeah. And, and like a guy like a Ryan Yarborough yeah. uh, who started out as an opener is now a part of their rotation. Right? You know what I mean? Um, 
I never liked the idea of an opener. I always thought it was a bad idea. I, I agree. But even Yarbrough, he, he now as a starter, he's not going more than five or six though most yeah. games. He just doesn't have that kind of length. It, it, it's, it's crazy. It, you look at what the Orioles did, right? And they saw how many innings their bullpen pitched last year. And the, so their big signing this offseason so far uh, has been Jordan Lyles. Now, of course, right. he's, <laughs> he... he it's not official. He still has to pass sure. a physical and sign, but they, he can't do any of that during a lockout. But he threw 180 innings last year. The Orioles know that they need more out of their starting rotation. I have to imagine that they're going to try and lengthen uh, Grayson Rodriguez a bit. And I don't think that we can underscore the the fact that... Not underscore, but um, that we can... Undervalue. Un- thank you. Uh, my brain's not firing on all cylinders today, but I don't <laughs> think we can undervalue the fact that COVID has a serious impact on these pitchers. It does. And a lot of these guys were babied last year because they didn't get the opportunity to stretch out their arms in 2020 to, ha- right. to pitch in a full season. They, right. they, as much as they may have pitched at the alternate training site, that was two and a half months. How much work could they have really gotten in in that, in that time span? No, Not Nobody enough. Not threw enough. nearly enough innings, so it doesn't surprise me that Rodriguez averaged under five innings, I think he will get a ramp up this year. You know, and I think that they have their off-season throwing programs in part to get them into that ramp up. And they they know it's going to be a shorter spring training, so they're going to have to get ready more quickly. So sure. these guys are these guys are are doing hopefully they're doing their part on their own. Now yeah. a guy like Grayson Rodriguez, who's not on the forty-man roster, he still can work with the team because he's not part of the of the major league roster. Right. So. I think big things are coming from Grayson Rodriguez, but my main concern is getting him stretched out. But to hear people say this is guy, this guy could be the elite of the elite is yeah, it's exciting. It he, certainly is. He certainly has that ace look to him, and the stuff is incredible. And like I said before, when you combine stuff and command, you've got an ace, and that's what Grayson Rodriguez is. Yeah, DL Hall number fifty-two on the top one hundred for Baseball America. 2-0, ERA, 56 strikeouts in 31 and two-thirds innings pitch last year. 15.9 Ks per nine. Seven starts mm-hmm. before being shut down with elbow tendonitis. He's entering his fifth season in the organization, and he's never thrown more than 90 in the third innings. Mm-hmm. That my That's my biggest concern. Every single publication, every analyst, every pundit out there will tell you this guy has the stuff yeah. to be up there with Grayson Rodriguez, to be one of the best pitchers, maybe one of the best left-handed starting pitchers in all of baseball. But he's got to stay on the field, right? and he's got to get innings under his belt. This is a guy who should be at the major league level by now. He's right. been. This is his fifth year in the organization. Yeah. He should be in the majors by now, and he's not. And he might not be this year because he doesn't have the innings. right? And he doesn't have the command. Where are we with DL Hall? I am I am so nervous about him. Mm-hmm. I love the stuff. I love the makeup. And everybody says all the right things about him. But he doesn't he doesn't stay on the field. Yeah, I mean I I look at all these prospect rankings and seeing him in the 50s and and even higher than that in some places and I'm kind of questioning where they're coming from with that because I just don't know. And like you said we haven't seen a track record of a full year 
of of sustained success over the entire year because he's been injured. And then, you know, when he has been going for long stretches, sometimes the command isn't perfect, and there's some issues with that. So it's just, uh, it, there are some big question marks next to his name. And I think out of the five guys that are on this list for the Orioles, Dio Hall is the biggest question marks. And for me, he should be ranked last. If he's going to be on the top 100, which I'm not sure I'd put him on the top 100 at this moment, um, even though when he was at Bowie last year, he put up a really good ERA, and he struck a lot of guys out, and then he got hurt for the whole year and missed the entire year. So... There's just a lot of question marks, and you know the reliever risk is obviously really high. And look, if D.L. Hall turns into a a back end reliever that throws 100 miles an hour and has a deadly slider and a, a, a guy that can just you know be a lefty out of the bullpen that's almost a better version of Tanner Scott, then the Orioles are going to love that. But you know, you, you kind of want a starter. You kind of want to start out of this guy that can be a six or seven inning guy that can be right behind Grayson Rodriguez in this rotation and can assert himself as one of the better pitchers in baseball. But at this point, you've got to start thinking maybe there's some reliever risk there. Yeah, and it's not kind of one you want to start it. You need yeah, a starter. You, 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 you can't. Yeah. Aff- yeah. And we, we talked about this with, with the pitching the way it is in the Orioles system. And we believe that there are some guys at the lower levels who could turn into something. But at the, at the upper levels... It's Rodriguez and Hall, mm-hmm. and then everybody else. Right. If half of that doesn't work out, if it's just Rodriguez and then Hall doesn't work out as a starter, where are you? Yeah. With this rebuild, you have two pitchers that you that you feel like are going to be something from this rebuild. Right. And you didn't even draft them. Right. They were drafted before <laughs> yeah. you got here. This is DL Hall has to work out, mm-hmm. and that's what makes me so nervous because right now he's not. He's on all these lists, and when he's out there, he's as dominant as they come. 16 strikeouts per nine innings. That's ridiculous. Right. But uh, seven starts last year, and he got hurt. I think if you go back to you know a 2017 top prospect list, and I'm just going to pull one up right now from MLB Pipeline, and you start going through the names of guys that are on this list, I think you're going to realize that a lot of them you've probably never heard of. And that's kind of where, you know, you look at with the top 100 is, yeah, the guy's on the list. He's been on there for many years. But, you know, there's still plenty of these guys that are going to bust. I mean, Jorge Mateo in the 2017 top 100. Jorge Mateo is number 47, right behind Aaron Judge. And Jorge Mateo's career is not going the way that people expected it it's to. It's not right? Aaron Judge, for it's sure. It's not Aaron Judge. So Aaron Judge was 46. And look, he's turned out to be a better player than most of the other guys ahead of him on this list. So top 100s are just that. They're rankings. And maybe D.L. Hall doesn't deserve to be there at the moment, and maybe he's going to have to prove something before he you know, can move up in those rankings. Uh, but personally, I'm not even sure he would be on mine right now if I, if I were to put together one. Uh, but if you look at this list, I mean... You look at some of these names. Andrew Benintendi is the number one prospect on the 2017 Top 100. Uh, he's the number one guy. And if Andrew Benintendi is a solid player, right? Boston, I thought, gave up on him way too quickly. They did. And I, he, I would agree. He's he's a. I don't think he's number one prospect type. I don't think yeah. he's one. I don't think he's a game changer. But he's like I look at him like I look at Alex Gordon, mm-hmm. where he's just a good player. Right. He's just a good player. He's going to go out there and he's going to do his job. But then there will be some guys you never heard of, like number 25, Anderson Espinoza. I've never heard of that guy. And the he, name sounds vaguely familiar, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know him. But that's just my point here is that there are going to be guys that end up busting and, and there are a lot of guys here that have turned out to be very, very good players. I mean there's Cody Bellinger's on this list and Lucas Giolito. And of course they're great, great players, but not everyone's gonna work out. And so hopefully the Orioles don't find themselves in, this, in that position with their pitchers. Right. And look, you can do worse than to have DL Hall turn into Andrew Miller. Right? Sure. That'd you, be great. You, you, I'd you, love that. You can, you can do worse. But you want a starter out of him. You you believe that you can find 
other relievers. Right. Especially with the starting depth that we've been talking about, and the, the Orioles have a lack of it. You need this guy to be a starter. This is a big year for D.L. Hall. It is. It, it, it's, it's a huge year for him because, again, fifth year in the organization, he should be here. He should be here, but he should have been here last year. And the fact that he's not is kind of telling. Yeah. So let's see what, what he does. Hopefully, hopefully they've realized that maybe it was just him trying to throw too hard. You know, just go out there, play your game, trust your stuff, take a mile or two off the fastball, and, you know, you're still going to be a dominant pitcher. Hopefully that's what it was, and it's not something that's that's more yeah. nagging. But it's good It's good that he has already started throwing program and he's back on the mound. It should be a full go this spring and summer, Yep, hopefully. And exactly. We'll, we'll see. It's big. He'll start a buoy, and if he pitches well, he'll work his way up to Norfolk, yep. maybe get a cup of coffee in August or September next year, uh, th- I can th- see th- it. this coming yeah. season, but he's got to stay on the field, and the guy's got to get over 100 innings right. this year. If, if Dior comes out and throws and has a year this year that Grayson Rodriguez had last year, throws over 100 innings, uh, has that sparkling ERA, and those K numbers are still there, I'll get back on board. But right now, I, I'm I'm hanging off the side of the ship with uh, with, with, with uh, trying to jump down to that dinghy. Getting uh, very with, nervous. With, with, with Getting DL. very nervous. Uh, Gunnar Henderson checking in at number 57, his first appearance on this top 100 list. Slash 258, 350, 476 through three different levels. 17 homers, 74 RBIs, 16 stolen bases, and 28 doubles mm-hmm. um, last year. Again, at three different levels. I put in my notes he should start at Bowie. I can see him starting at Aberdeen. Again, it's up to him to have a big spring. You have a big yeah. spring and you'll go to Bowie. Um, possibly make his way to Norfolk and potentially put himself in the Orioles' plans for 2023. Yeah. Um, and when I say possibly go to Norfolk, I mean at some point this summer. I think that you're going to see him graduate a, a level or two this summer, depending on where he starts. Um, he signed with Scott Boris. Scott Boris doesn't sign nobody's. No. Right? So... Gunnar Henderson is one of those guys I'm super excited about. I think he will ultimately move to third base. Um, I can also see Jordan Westberg ending up playing second base for the Orioles in the shortstop, being somebody who either, who either isn't in the organization yet or just being somebody else who has the better glove. I, I think right. that ultimately you're going to have Westberg at second and Henderson at uh, third base when it's all said and done. And if the Orioles have the number one overall pick, I think they're going to take Brooks Lee. I, I really believe they're going to take Brooks Lee because he's going to be the best college player on the board, and they love college players, and I think he'll be your shortstop. Um, I look at, and we're talking a couple of years down the line, right? Assuming they still have the number one pick this year. But I look at Gunnar Henderson, there's nothing to not be excited about. And you saw all the oppo taco power from it. It seemed like most of his home runs went to left field last yeah. year. Big-bodied kid, great bat. Decent enough glove, good arm. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, it's exciting that he's on this list. We haven't seen a middle infield prospect yeah. on the Orioles, uh, on the top 100 from the Orioles since the Machado and, and um, Jonathan Scope days. How are we looking at Gunnar, Gunnar Henderson? How do you feel about him? Uh, probably not going to see him this year, but good chance to see him in early 2023. Well, clearly he was, he was you know, overmatching everyone at Delmarva. He was way better than everyone else there, and he, he crushed the ball. Went up to Aberdeen and struggled a little bit. You know, he started off very slow. I, I believe he was 0 for 27, 0 for 30, yeah, something hit, to hit start off. Hit into some bad luck. Yeah, too. he just had a bad start. But then he really figured it out and ended up getting a promotion to Bowie, um, which he did not hit well either at, but it was only like six games. So yeah, we're not, the, power, we're not, the power is there. The power was there, but we're not, we're not going to put much into six games anyway because it's just not a sample size to, to really care about too much. But, you know, Henderson's got all the talent in the world. When you talk about a guy with makeup, 
up. He's his body is so much projection left in it because he's only 20 years old, and the guy has gotten very big. And since coming to the Orioles, he was pretty skinny when he was coming out of high school, and now he's he's muscular and big and growing a little bit. So. Those are all things that are going to keep helping his power and his hit tool. Um, and the guy is, is someone that I think is going to be an impact lefty bat. Um, the, the power is probably like a 55 grade right now, but it could develop into a 60 grade. It's, it's certainly above, I think, where I expected it to be at this point. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, is, is, like you said, one of the best shortstop prospects the Orioles have had in a long time. I, don't, I, I would agree with you that I don't necessarily think he sticks at shortstop. I think he's definitely a third baseman. Um, but I also think there's a chance he could move to one of the corner outfield spots based on limited mobility. Um, and I, I just haven't seen enough of him, I guess, in person yet to say whether he's going to be a third baseman. I'd like to see a little bit more of that uh, this summer. But I, I think there's some definite defensive questions about where he's going to play, but the guy's going to be an impact player one way or the other. Yeah, That's my opinion. I, I agree. I think he's going to be an impact player as well. And everything we see, a hell of a guy. Yeah, just, just a really yeah. good kid. I met him at the uh, at the Orioles. I believe they called it the Caravan when they did that in, mm. in place of Fan Fest a few years ago. Very nice guy. Very yeah. nice guy. Uh, and then Colton Kalser drafted fifth overall this past summer. He checks in at number ninety eight on the Baseball America Top One Hundred. Though he's number forty six on Baseball Prospectus Top One Hundred or Top One Hundred One. Uh, slash 375, 490, 492 in 32 games between two levels. Should start at Aberdeen, has a real chance to move quickly. Yeah. There's nothing to not be excited about with this kid. They no. think that he could stick in center field. He's got a good arm, got a good glove, he's got speed. He's, he's hitting for, for better power than they expected. Yep. The, the swing is so pretty. It really is. The swing it, it is really so is. pretty. Uh, I think behind Rutschman, it's the prettiest swing in in the Orioles minor league system. They 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 talked about him as somebody t- talked to me about this when the Orioles drafted him, saying that he is in the mold of a Nick Markakis, but with more power. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and I he, Nick Markakis is one of my all time favorite Orioles. Mm-hmm. If the Orioles have another player like that in Colton Kalser. Uh, there's nothing to not be excited about with this kid. My comp out of the draft from him was a, a little bit of a faster Michael Conforto, but without maybe a little bit less power than Conforto. So that's kind of where I, I stand on him. But, you know, uh, he, he's a guy I've, I've made my feelings very clear on this guy. He's, he's a great contact hitter. I think he's going to be a, a 300 uh, average guy year to year and, and probably up close to 400 on base percentage. And I think you'll see him do that in the minors this year where he's going to be well over 400 on base because he just is a really polished player. And he's, you know, somewhat safe. I think that. That, that pick the Orioles made was, was definitely safe. They were going for a guy that they believed is going to be a major league player one way or the other. M- you know, maybe not a star, maybe not you know an Aaron Judge or something, but a guy that just consistently comes out there like a Conforto um, and, and plays every day and, and is a really, really solid baseball player. So I think that's what they went with. And the guy is, is just very talented on many levels, and, and he's going he's gonna to move very quickly. Is this a guy who you think is in the Orioles' plans for early 2023? Yes. I think he could even make a cameo this year. I would not be shocked. I think he's that advanced. Where does he start this year? Does he start at Aberdeen? Uh, Aberdeen is what I would think, yeah. Aberdeen and maybe make his way, kind of pull like a Jordan Westberg, or maybe um, uh, Westberg started out at Delmarva, but yeah. maybe maybe this guy, because he got his feet wet at Delmarva, and he, and he tore the cover off yep. the ball. Yep. Uh, so maybe this is a guy who starts at Aberdeen. Could skip AAA, who knows? Yeah, but, You never know. But it, he, he's certainly an, an exciting prospect, and Zach, that's not the first time you said that you think that he could make a cameo. This year, yeah. you really believe in this kid, I do. And, and and I do too. I don't know that he'll make a debut this year. I think it really depends on how the Orioles are playing, if there's injuries, uh, where they really see themselves as a franchise late this summer. So we'll we'll see with that. Now you have some guys who are knocking on the door. I was very surprised, and I guess it's because he's only done he only did it one time so far, and it was his first pro- full professional season. Kyle Stowers 
278, 383, 515 slash line between, uh, what was it, three, two levels, three levels? Uh, I believe it was three. Yeah, uh, 27 homers, 85 RBIs, both led the Orioles system, uh, the Orioles minor league system. Orioles co-minor league player of the year with Adley Rutschman. Kyle Stowers, man, the fact that he's not a top 100 prospect, I mean, what more does this kid need to do? Yeah, I, I think you know these these rankings are a lot about stats, but they're also about just again projection of where they're going to be in a few years. And I think that's where Kyle Stowers probably missed out on is just the, the projection of not being quite as good as some of the other guys in this top 100 in a few years. But you know, if you if you're putting a guy like DL Hall on there. I don't see why you couldn't put a guy like Kyle Stowers in there. He he certainly showed out in every way. The power is real. Uh, the on-base ability is real. Uh, there is a lot of swing and miss in his game right now that maybe needs to be cut down a little bit. And his defense is also sort of a little bit of a question for, for everyone right now. But the guy is a, a pure hitter and someone that's going to do very well at the Major League level. And I think we're going to see him very soon. Some of the hardest eggs of velocities that, that they have in the yep. system. Yep. So uh, I'm excited for Kyle Stowers. I think we'll see him at some point yep. this year. Jordan Westberg. Slash 285, 389, 479 between three different levels. 15 homers, 79 RBIs. He had a better year than Gunnar Henderson did. Mm-hmm. Um, and proved his value more at Bowie than, Hend- than Henderson did. Again, although Henderson had a bit of a small sample size. Yep. But he's on, on the outside looking in. Now, he is in Baseball America's top 15 knocking on the door uh, for the top 100. And I think he gets there sometime this summer. Uh, Westberg probably going to start. He's going to start at Bowie this year. Yep, could make his way up to to Norfolk by the second half of the season. Yeah, do we see him at all this season? I think you could. I think he could make a cameo, uh, similar to to Colton Cowser. But I think he actually has a greater chance than Colton Cowser to be here. And the, and the reason for that is just because the Orioles have a need, an immediate need. Where Colton Cowser, the position he plays, is not really an immediate need. But Cedric, Cedric Mullins locking down center field. Now, if Cedric Mullins gets traded, that could obviously change things. But right now, the Orioles do not have a long term second baseman or a long-term shortstop. And if Jordan Westberg comes up to play either one of those or even third base, I would not be surprised at all. And the guy, you know, again, he showed out kind of at every level so far and moved very quickly. My biggest concern with him coming out of the draft was, can he cut the strikeouts down? Can he cut the swing and miss down? And he did. And that's one of the most impressive things to me. They came out here and, and showed the power. He showed the athleticism. Very good athlete. Very, very good athlete. 285 batting average and a 389 on-base percentage. That's that's a guy who, who has a pretty good idea, I think, of the strike zone. Definitely. Uh, and, 100%. And, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kobe Mayo. And this is a guy who, when he got drafted... Uh, in the fourth round, coming out of high school, um, they I think he had a 70 power grade and a 70 arm grade. But the question was, can he cut down on the strikeouts? Yep. And all he does is come out in 53 games and slash between two levels, slash 319, 426, 555, nine home runs, 41 RBIs, and 11 stolen bases. And again, yeah. in 53 games. This is a dude, man. Uh, you talk about Gunnar Henderson going to third base. Maybe maybe uh, Mayo ends up over at first base long term. Mm-hmm. But this is a dude that it, he far exceeded my expectations last year. And, Mine too. And, and I, I think he could be, he could profile as I think it's going to take him a little bit longer to get here because he's a year behind age wise mm-hmm. from um, from Henderson. Uh, but this is a guy who I think could be who could hit in the middle of the Orioles lineup in a couple of years. So this is a guy that kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Eric Hosmer. I think the the bat profiles are kind of similar, where you're going to get a lot of home runs, but you know maybe the the on base percentage, batting average might not be where you want it to be all the time. Hosmer obviously had some great years. I'm not even saying he's going to be as good as Eric Hosmer was in his prime because Eric Hosmer was unbelievable. But Mayo is a guy that certainly exceeded expectations for me and like for you as well. 
And he's a guy that certainly is producing exit velos. He's hitting the ball very, very hard. And his swing is super pretty. It is very pretty swing. And, yeah. and the, the, again, I keep talking about it with, with his body, but the guy's just huge. He's massive, and he, he has that projection, again, to be a guy that's going to hit for a lot of power. So, I, you know, the great arm strength. Biggest question is where is he going to play? Um, you know, he could be a corner outfielder, too. He could be a guy who ends up in right field. Yeah, the, the, the th- with, with the arm that he has, you don't mm-hmm. want to put him at first base. Right. You right. don't. But you, it's kind it, of a waste. If you're gonna have Gunner at third base, that's his. That's where right. Mayo plays. Corner outfield could be a thing, and then you start looking at the Orioles are, have a log jam with mm-hmm. outfielders. Uh, it, this is a good problem to have. This oh yeah, is, it's a great. This problem is how you get pitching. You know what I mean? But could be a guy we see traded. It, Man, he, Mayo is a great candidate for that. He could be. He could be. Uh, and then you look at Heston Kerstad, number two overall pick in the 2020 uh, draft. Impressed versus live pitching and instructs in mini camps. Well, he's likely from what, from what Rockabaco is saying to, to mm-hmm. receive now a because of how he performed. It, it was originally that he wasn't going to, but then he performed so well against live pitching that, that there's a good chance he's going to receive an invite to Major League Spring Training. Mm-hmm. Probably going to start at Del Marva. I didn't see the videos that Eric Garfield posted. I'm very excited to go take a look oh, at those great. after yeah. the show. Um, but he's number two overall pick. He should be knocking on the door of the majors by now, and he's not because he hasn't played because of the myocarditis. Mm-hmm. Is this a guy who can get himself back on the map, who can go out there and with a big season put himself back into the Orioles' immediate plans? He has a lot to prove, and there's a long way to go for him, I think, uh, to, to get him back into that top 100 conversation. But I do think he can get himself there. Uh, you know, If he comes out and puts up Adley Rutschman-like numbers, he'll get himself there. But if he comes out and puts up mediocre numbers, which is kind of what I expect because I think the start for him is going to be very slow. I just don't expect a big, quick start for him. But I, I think once he starts to settle in a little bit, maybe get more confident, he's going to start tearing the cover off the ball. And this guy went number two overall for a reason. And another guy who produced top exit velocities from his class in uh, in that draft. So he's a guy that, you know, the or- he very much fits the Orioles' mold. He hits the ball hard. He sprays the ball to all fields. He's got a nice swing. Uh, and I think there's a lot of reason to be excited, but I would say temper your expectations for a fast start because I don't think that that's going to happen. Guy with light tower power. It, yeah. he, he will tear the cover off the ball, and I, I can see a slow start for him, and I yep. can see him, but I can also see him being like, you know what, I have something to prove and getting out there and getting off to a hot start. Yeah. Um, he he hit a ball in one of Eric's videos where you could hear Eric just exclaim at it because of how hard the, the guy hit the ball. I mean, it, mm-hmm. went, it went a mile. It was just the guy knows how to hit. Obviously, it was BP, but it's still just... He's got light tower power. Yeah, I gotta be super excited about as well. Um, temper the expectations a little bit because yes, he was number two overall yep. pick, but yes, he dealt. He also dealt with a serious heart issue. Yep. Uh, the, the, for all intents and purposes, from everything we've heard, he has recovered fully from. Love it. So it should be a. He is a full go at yep. this point. I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm excited to see him get his first uh, pro action and right. see what he does uh, because. You can't miss on the number two overall pick, and if it it just took a year longer to get him here, but he ends up being who they thought, that's that's huge right. for the Orioles. So, so I I do think Kerstad gets that minor league uh, or the major league spring training invite, but do you think Kowser gets one? Yeah, I would say why not. Yeah, yeah I, I I the way that he played and with with, the, with how quickly people expected yeah. to move with their expectations from I I would imagine that I agree that you're going to see him at major league spring training as well. And, and guys, we want to uh, for our listeners. Just be prepared. Be prepared because some of these guys, some of these players that you're falling in love with mm-hmm. in their system aren't aren't going to be here. Right. Some of these players are going to get traded. And some of these players are going to get traded and have really productive big league careers yeah. elsewhere. 
and you're gonna sit there and be like, oh man, the, the Orioles. Go. <laughs> the The point, the the goal is to trade the guys to get the starting pitching. You're gonna have guys who are gonna have big years here, right? You know, and, and so try not like. And it's easy, it's easy to do when your team's losing a hundred yep. to a hundred, a hundred and eight to hundred and fifteen games three mm-hmm. out of the last four years. Um, it's easy to look at Mikey Stremski going to San Francisco and, oh, and no. hitting <laughs> and hitting over twenty homers. Yeah. It's easy to look at that and be like, and playing great defense out there. Right. To be like, oh, the Orioles gave up on him too soon. He was thirty, guys. It tw- he was twenty nine years old. And never did it. anything in the yeah. Orioles minor league system. And, and, and this past year, he hit like two twenty. Yeah. Right. Like, this is. These things happen. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be a player that's gonna get traded who's gonna have an all-star career right. uh, on another team. It's gonna happen. They have too many prospects in, in, in this system, and that's a yeah. good that's a good problem to have. But let's not. Uh, Buck Showalter always used to say he doesn't pay attention to other teams' guys. When that yeah. does happen, don't pay attention to the other teams' guys. Pay attention to the guys that you have on your team because this is this is an exciting time. Look, the Orioles may may lose ninety games, ninety to one hundred games again right. this year. But with what you have coming through the pipeline, this is an exciting time because it you're going to see these guys graduate, and they're going to. And, and again, ask me how excited I am in mid-July when the Orioles are 30 games below 500. Yeah, you know, but it's exciting. You should be excited. This, uh, I really think this is a turning the corner season. And Baltimore inevitably, Orioles. some of these guys are going to bust. It's yeah, just going to. That's another thing. There's going to be a lot of them, and a lot of guys you're falling in love with right now that you're never going to see play we at the major spent- league level, or never going to play at a good level um, at the major league level where they're they're actually productive. It's just going to happen. It's inevitable. It happens to every organization. If you look at the, the San Diego Padres a few years ago, I think they had like nine guys in the top 100. How many of them now are productive players? It's probably not as many as you would think. So, yeah. I mean, we, we just talked about Anderson Espinosa. I just looked him up after I talked about him. He was number 25 on the 2017 Top 100. He's still in their org, but he put up a 502 ERA this year. So, look, I mean, it, it just happens where some guys just don't end up being what you think they're going to be, and that's okay. It's okay. And, and, and as much as I love Kyle Stowers, I think he's a prime candidate for that. I, sure. I, I think the swing and miss in, in his swing is significant enough that he could get to the major league level and really struggle. And D.L. Hall is the number one candidate in the yeah, system Yeah, right and, and we that. think that there's that D.L. Hall will be a productive pitcher at the major league level. Yeah. It's just a matter of in what role. Right. And if and honestly, if, even if he does t- turn into Andrew Miller and he can make a nice living and stick around mm-hmm. the majors for a long time doing that, it's kind of a bust with what with the fact that he throws as many pitches as he does and he, he's... He's as good as he is and has the, the electricity in his arm that he yeah. has. For him to not work out as a starting pitcher is that's a bust. It's a bust. Now, right. if, even if he becomes Andrew Miller. So just be prepared because uh, we, we can talk about 30 guys in this organization as people that, uh, as players that we think could be something, and maybe six of them. Are gonna are gonna turn out to that. Mm-hmm. Are gonna turn out that way. Right. So look, we got to get our final break. When we come back in, we're gonna close things out with a little bit of trivia here on the bat around. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. That first sip. That first bite. 
Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. There's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as the Batarounds' own Paul Valley took over as the show's co-captain. The show remains the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with the legendary Earl the Pearl Monroe, pro wrestling legend Mark Henry, and the man who gave us American Pie 50 years ago, Mr. Don McLean himself. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now at pressboxonline.com. Paul, I'm still amazed. You guys had Don McLean. On, Don uh, McLean. McLean, whatever. I don't know how to say it. But it's that, I'm amazed at that because American Pie is a very, very famous song that I know. And it's not, <laughs> I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's like one of my favorite songs or anything, but I, I just, I appreciate it for what it is. It's a very famous song. That's amazing. You guys had him on Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, it, it was pretty awesome. McLean. Really? Um, Isn't it really McLean? It's McLean. It's Don, Don I McLean. apologize to Don McLean. That, that is a really famous song that it, I know. It does not read like that at all. I at know. All. It looks like McLean, but it's, I think it's, it's McLean. I, I think his parents got it wrong. <laughs> I think they're wrong. I, I don't think that's right. I, I don't think that's how you pronounce it. I, I think that your parents got it wrong. I think your last name is Goodman. <laughs> oh, yeah? Goodman. There's no U, though. So It's Goodman. Oh, all right. Goodman. I get it. I get it. Anyway, so dumb. Yeah, so really, that was so that was, dumb. Now what a great I, discussion. I am being tasked with getting DJ Cool. Really? It's my, Glenn was like, Paul, I can book him in a day. I want you to try to get him. And I'm also being tasked with trying to get a TV reviewer to talk about all these shows like Ozark. Okay. And, and I just started Ozark last night. Don't say a word about okay. it because Laura and I have to figure out. Because 
Laura just so happens that the day the Ozark starts is her first day. It was I had to do the show, Glenn show, and then I had to go to the gym and go to work. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't watch, and I had to do show prep, show prep for this show, so we couldn't watch yesterday. She's yep. back to work today, tomorrow, and Monday, and then I work both jobs on Tuesday. So it's like, when are we going to find the time to watch these shows? And Laura was like, well, we can watch it Monday after I get off work. I'm like, yeah, but you're only going to let us watch one episode, then you're going to go to bed. She goes, wait, there's more than one episode? And I was like, it's a whole season. She goes, oh yeah, we're only going to watch one episode. And I'm like, I, I want to binge these shows. Of course, then I get super sad after I binge them, and then there's no more episodes yeah, to yeah, watch. Yeah. I really hope Ozark doesn't do what they did, what, what Game of Thrones did, where they the final season, they split it up into two seasons, part one and part two. And so you get season four, part one, and mm. then two years later, we get season five. You just call it season four, part two. Season five. Why yeah. wouldn't they just call it season five? Uh, makes I, I, very, I, very, very, very I asked sense Glenn this, and he goes, because it's one season. Mm. That, but it's not. But you have it split <laughs> up. It's not it's, one season. It's yeah. two seasons, know. and you know that part one's going to end with a cliffhanger that's going to leave right, you wanting right. more, which is what every season does at the end. So it's season four and season five. Let's not, you know, this is the final season, but it's really the final two seasons. Unless it's, like, it's probably like six or seven episodes um, in each in each of the final two parts. But anyway, I digress. Good Orioles talk today, man. Talked a lot about the prospects. Talked a lot about the international scouting yep. department and... Um, and things going things going on with the team. Um, Kobe Perez was fantastic. Special thanks to him. Special thanks again to Stan the Fan Charles for joining us for his weekly segment. You have some trivia for me though. We before do. We get out of here. So we talked about a lot last week about the wall and a little bit this week. So that got me thinking. Um, we know Oriole Park at Camden Yards is the number one ballpark that gives up home runs, and in 2021 they gave up 277 home runs uh, were hit in Camden Yards. So, let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum. The five ballparks that allowed the least amount of home runs in 2021. Now, I have to preface this with a few things. The Field of Dreams is not included because that was that was Okay, I, I really. never would have thought about that. But then Rogers Center I, is actually the last one, but I can't include that either because they, the Blue Jays did not play all year at Rogers Center. Yeah, I think they played like 40 games there or something Right, like so it's, it's going to be the five parks that were actually played in all year that allowed the least amount of home runs. Let's see if you can get this. Uh is it T-Mobile Park in Seattle? T-Mobile Park is not there. They, that allowed pretty high up, actually, 193. Did they move the fences there? Because that used to be a pretty cavernous park. It is still a pretty cavernous park, but I think uh, I think they haven't moved them for a few years. Um, Arizona. Arizona is not one of them. <laughs> not one of them. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. Yeah. There's some known, known uh, pitcher's parks, though, around baseball. Oakland. Oakland is not one of them, but it's pretty far down the list. It's very close. Hmm. And I'll give you the numbers as well. So the last one, 147, then 150, 150, 154, and then 160 were the numbers of home runs given up. I'm going to say Miller Park. Miller Park is not one of them. Dodger Stadium. Uh, No. Actually, Dodger Stadium was number three. They actually really? gave up 248 in Dodger Stadium this year. Because huh, I'm trying to think of the teams that have the good pitching staffs. Because mm, Good point. Okay. Oh, Target Field. Not on there either. What? Target Field actually gave up 233 this year. This list is stupid. <laughs> this list is stupid because it, there's nothing to this now. These I, I, I can give you some hints if you'd like. Nah, I don't want any hints. Okay. 
Let me think here. I mean, most of them that are, well, all of them that are here are known as pretty big pitcher's parks. Okay, see, that does nothing for me because okay. you act like I can just pull the name of a park <laughs> out of my head. Okay. I, I don't spend a I mean, lot of time thinking about stadiums. I mean, you can look at like a list sta- if you want. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about stadiums. I know it's, I know it's no um, stadium in the American League East. There's just no way. Correct. Um, Angels Field, whatever they call it. Uh, uh, whatever the Angels Stadium that is. That is not one of them. I think it, it is called Angel Stadium, I believe. Yeah, it is called Angel Stadium. All right, dude. At, at, at some point, I'm just going to end up just naming all the all stadiums. The teams. So, so I, I I haven't gotten one. I've guessed like ten stadiums, and I haven't gotten one. Okay. This is this is a garbage trivia question. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's that's the way I went with this. So number number five, uh, the least or the fifth least amount um, was Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. Was actually number five. So I was about to get that. Was literally going to be my big next park. It is a pretty big park. Yeah, I just. And then okay. number four was Comerica uh, for with the Tigers. Uh, number three was Bush Stadium. Bush Stadium is a known pitcher's park, one of the biggest mm-hmm. ones in baseball. I, I, literally, I had Kaufman and Bush Stadium in my head as okay. two of my next guesses. Marlins Park was number two. Uh, and then PNC in Pittsburgh was actually the least uh, You know what? I should have gotten PNC because they have one of the deepest left fields They do. In, in, really in, deep in left field. So there you go. My, my bad on the bad trivia question, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, you enjoyed, <laughs> I enjoyed it. it. You enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. See, Zach won't give, I'll give me. You, I'll give you players next week. We'll Z- Zach won't give weeks. me Orioles questions because You're too good at them. he thinks I'm too good at them. Yeah. I don't know how good I am at them, but he thinks I'm too good at them. But the whole point. Who hit the of, most home runs in 1987? <laughs> oh, dude, who the, who the hell knows that? I don't know. In 1987 for the Orioles. I just pulled that completely. Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray hit it the most. It probably was. Look it up. I, I think Eddie Murray hit like 30. Murray for 30. Murray for 30. 30 for 30. 30 for Murray. All right. Let, let me see. Let me see. You're probably right. I can't imagine you're wrong. You know a lot about Orioles trivia. You really do. Um, It was not Eddie Murray. He did hit 30. You were right on the dot with that one. But Larry Sheets actually hit 31. So Larry Sheets was the answer to that one. Oh, so. uh, okay. Larry, who would have guessed Larry Sheets? Not me. Not me. I probably would have guessed Eddie Murray. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Next week, uh, my, my two, mom literally in, just sent me a text message two weeks, a- I'll come back asking with when will I have time to take care of a dog. Mom, I'm 37 years old. Let me worry about that. <laughs> uh, don't worry about when I can take care of a dog. I'm 37. I can figure it out. You can hire someone to do that too. Like that's always an option. Yes, because I make so much Baby's money that I can hire people to take care of a <laughs> take care of a dog. If you need to, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I have to give you trivia next week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a whopper. because it. You're, you're, <laughs> I love it. The whole point of trivia, it's Do supposed it. to be fun, and it's supposed to be something that maybe I can get. I mean, I feel like you can get that. Who the hell would have gotten... <laughs> I don't know. I probably who would. the hell knows things about stadiums? I do. I feel like I know a lot about stadiums. I don't uh, know. I have a book for you. Then that, that you I actually own a book about baseball stadiums. Actually, is it a recent book? Like over the ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably have the same book. Mm, I, I okay. got it for free for, because we were going to have this guy on when Stan hosted the show. He wrote he wrote this book about um, baseball's cathedrals. Um, oh, that's not the one. It, no. it, it, that's not what it's called. I just always say baseball. No, I, I know the book you're talking about. That's not the one. I because I actually want to read that book. Well, we, we were gonna have this guy on. It's this thick book, yeah. and then the pandemic hit, and we mm, never got yeah. him, got him back on. But give me a hard one. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I I I mean, you were you knocked the. I think you, here's the thing that people don't. Um, realize about me i have a lot of ability to retain orioles information you know a lot I, yeah. I i know a lot about the orioles i am not very good at um at trivia that i should be that i should be good at 
I'm not very good at sports trivia and stuff. There's some stuff that I'm good at, like some basic stuff. But my I have so much up here mm-hmm. about sports, it's hard for me to just pull it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where like I, I'll come up with a random stat more easily than I can... I don't know if I'm making sense or not. No, I know what you're saying. But but people expect me to know everything about sports because this is what I do, and I'm sure you 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 are fall victim to the same thing where people just have these expectations of you that you can never live up to to know things about sports. I was sitting there watching a football game with um with my wife and her brother. It was the Ravens Packers game this year, and Dave, her brother, didn't know why the clock didn't stop running when one of the Ravens players ran out of bounds and for progress hadn't been stopped. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know either. And he goes, and Paul knows everything. If Paul doesn't know, how the hell am I going to know? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, no, man, you know way more about football than I do. Like, like, I don't know as much as people think I know. I just, I know a lot about baseball. You know what I mean? But I know a lot about the Orioles. Stadiums, man, I'm clueless. I I am clueless. I I want two stadiums. I I, I couldn't tell you what stadium is a pitcher's park. I can only tell you that in the American League, they don't exist. I mean, the American League East, pitcher's parks don't exist. Very true. They do not exist. Otherwise, I couldn't. I've heard about Kaufman. I thought Target Field was a pitcher's ballpark, but the Twins were so bad this past year. Yeah. uh, yeah. And they gave up so many good reasons. And and they hit a lot of home runs, too. So the one I would have guessed first, if you had given me this trivia question, would have been Oracle in in, uh, San Francisco, because that is a huge park with that absolutely massive corner in right field it's very very big and that would have been my first guess but that was actually that was number eight on the least amount of giving up yeah so. see I, i'm so used to seeing so many balls in the mccovey cove that i just but it's, yeah. it's a pretty cavernous ballpark i also didn't know it was called oracle i i don't know the names of most of these gotcha. teams because they, they, they've changed so much i'll do players next time we'll, we'll go back to players but i'll make it i'll still make Give, it hard I'll gives still make me it hard. a stadium I don't know. I mean, hey, it's 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 fair game. It's baseball I'm, I'm trivia. Gonna, I'm gonna start giving you whoppers now. <laughs> I'll never I, get them. I'll I, never I, get them. I give you these this Orioles trivia that's fun, and you're giving me like, who won the Cy Young in 1872? <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, Ravens fired Wink Martin. Well, they didn't fire him. They uh, mutually they, they, parted ways. They mutually it, parted it, ways. Yeah. He had one year left on his deal, or was it one year left? Or they, one year left. Yeah, yeah, one year left on his deal. Um, and from what I'm reading, it looks like. Uh, apparently, coordinators, from what other people are saying, coordinators don't like to not have, um, don't like to go into a year with with only one year left, or yeah. go into a season with only one year yeah. left. And it was probably just time for him to move on. Honestly, everybody was calling for Greg Roman's head all year, and people are upset. I've been not, I don't necessarily want to see Wink get fired. I'm not glad that he's gone because I think he did a lot of good things for this defense. Yeah, I agree. But when I look at Wink Martindale and the fact that. His teams have finished in the bottom third of the league in sacks two of the last four years. Uh, they haven't had a 10-sack player since 2017, and that was Terrell Suggs. Yeah. Uh, they don't get after the quarterback. No. Um, and the, a lot of this stuff was not his fault this past year because of all the injuries. I mean, three of their four, three-fourths of their starting secondary were lost to the, for the season for right. uh, to injuries. So it's not all his fault. But the fact that he came out and said, we don't emphasize sacks here, and then they bottom third in the league in sacks, and then they give up the most passing yards in the league this year. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll take things you shouldn't say for 200. Exactly. Um, And then people are saying that they think Vic Fangio is going to be the next defensive coordinator. Please no. Please no. Uh, he's a good defensive coordinator, but uh, I, I don't know how that's going to mesh. Maybe he and Harbaugh can go out for some uh, chicken and beer and uh, talk about... 
about I, their feelings. I, look, I, I I want Brian Flores here. Brian Flores is a very good coach, but he's, he's getting, getting a he's head coaching. Head coaching he's job. Go, I'll bet I bet he's a head coach of the Bears next year. I was going to say probably in Chicago, so that's almost no chance. But Mike Zimmer would be a fine move if the uh, if the Ravens could do that. Um, they, you know, there's certainly some good options out there, but knowing the Ravens, they'll promote from within, which would be probably Anthony Weaver, which would be, the, you know, or Drew Wilkins. That those would be the two options that would make the I most bet, sense. I bet it's Anthony Weaver. Probably. That's I what bet, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. Anthony Weaver. All right, very good, Zach. Um, playoff games uh, today. Yep. And tomorrow you got the Titans and Bengals. Yep. Today, and then the game tonight is the Packers 49ers. Yes. Then tomorrow you have the Rams Buccaneers. For some reason, I couldn't remember the Rams, even though they're my pick to go to the Super Bowl now. Um, and then the the last game of the weekend is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs taking on. Um, who are they playing? Uh, who? What was the other AFC game? Uh, Titans Bengals. Titans Bengals. So it'd be uh, it'd be Chiefs and oh, why are we forgetting this? I, I I'm don't drawing know. a blank on this one too. This is oh, it's Chiefs Bills. Bills, that's right. That's yep, a, that, yep. uh, Bills defeated the Patriots. See, this last is week. this is what I'm talking about. My ability to <laughs> the, the pull instant things, recall. Yeah, yeah. The instant recall, I am not good at. I'm really terrible instant recall. I got every question that they asked me about my wife uh, when they were doing <laughs> the the newlywed game at her bridal shower. I got every question wrong. Wow. I got. Here's the thing. Every answer I gave was like her second favorite. Oh, okay. Was like her second favorite. And then when she was like, "Babe, my favorite food, tacos." I'm like, "Duh, my favorite show, Friends." Duh. What's my favorite type of cheese? <laughs> I um, mean, she loves a good brie. There we go. Okay. She loves a good brie. Um anyway. Anyway. <laughs> she she probably hear that and be like, "Babe, what no, are you talking about? No. It's clearly cheese." Yeah, uh, wh- you know, whatever. What, what, what are we even talking about anymore on the show? <laughs> My ability for instant We're uh, 19 minutes over time. We're talking about Laura's favorite type of cheese. So, you know. <laughs> All right, man. My, my, my favorite matchup for this week is going to be Bill's Chiefs. Man. I agree. That's the one I'm going to be most invested in. I'm really... Titans la- Bengals, though, was great. Each of the last two years, I took off on the Saturdays of the wild card and divisional round so I could watch the playoffs, and mm-hmm. I didn't do that this year. I don't have the same attachment to the playoffs this year because the Ravens aren't in right. it. it. It's... it's I, a lot of these games, like... Bengals, yeah, I want the Bengals to lose, right? And Buccaneers, I want Tom Brady to lose, right? Yes. But a lot of the, and the Chiefs, I want Mahomes to lose. Mm-hmm. But uh, the uh, these other games, it's like I don't care who wins between the Cowboys and the 49ers. I don't care. I, I don't like Kyler Murray, so I wanted the Rams to win that game. But I'm not like emotionally invested. I've seen you tweeting a lot about Kyler. What is your reason for not liking Kyler? I'm just interested in this. <sighs> we talked about this yesterday on GCR. Okay. I'm not a Kyler Murray guy. Um. Do you I th- not like the fact that he forego? Or he went, you know, from the athletics. I don't like the way then, he handled it. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I don't like the way he handled it. I don't. Yeah. He, I think he carries himself very arrogantly for having done literally nothing in the <laughs> NFL. Um, I don't like the comparisons to Lamar. Jackson. I don't like the comparisons to Lamar Jackson. No. I think Lamar Jackson's a better player. Yeah, I, I, I just think he is. And he, they they talk about and Kyler Murray is in his third year and just played in his first playoff game. And got obliterated and yeah. made one of the the dumbest plays I've ever seen, mm-hmm. throwing out of his own end zone. Oh yeah, for for a pick six. It was a terrible play, and nobody gives him the crap. No, that they gave Lamar Jackson. No, for losing his first playoff game, having only started seven games in his rookie and year, being what twenty one years old right. at the time, and then for despite putting up five hundred eight yards of total offense. Yeah. Losing in his first playoff game and eight, next year, eight, eight drops, eight or nine drops. It was it was seven drops, seven yeah. seven drops. Uh, two of them that were that were surefire touchdowns. Yeah. 
And one of them that one that was a surefire touchdown. And, Seth and Roberts one. Was the, the Seth the, Roberts one, yeah. and the one to Mark Andrews on the first drive mm-hmm. that Andrews just it, it bounced off his hands and yep. got it got picked off. If the Ravens go down and score a touchdown on that opening drive, I think they run away. It with got that game. so bad in that game that Hayden Hurst got hit in the face. He got hit in the face on a throw at the end of the, it was mm-hmm. the end of the game. The game was basically over. Oh, I thought that, you meant punch. You, that you just, mean like with a throw? No, no. He, he got hit in the face with one of Lamar Jackson's throws. He was running towards the end zone, just bounced off his face mask. Yeah, that's how uh, bad it got. It, and let's not blame the, that the, on Lamar. <laughs> Lamar. Lamar Jackson does not get the crap. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, Kyler Murray doesn't get the crap that Lamar Jackson does. No. People are talking about Matthew Stafford, first playoff win after 13 years. It, Where, and, where's the, and, and he gets a pass. Right. Peyton Manning didn't make it to the playoffs for six years. Yep. Didn't get his first playoff win for and six years. And is now considered years. the, the he's second considered, greatest of all time. He, in my opinion, he's top three yeah. all time. And Lamar Jackson gets no. crapped on for yeah. everything he does or doesn't do. And Kyler Murray gets a pass. And there's people trying to say Kyler's better. I mean, give, give Lamar Jackson DeAndre Hopkins. Right, right. And then look right. at how bad Kyler Murray was without DeAndre Hopkins well, this year. Well, let's not forget, people got angry at Lamar Jackson for playing with, uh, with like, little kids in, uh, on, a basketball in court. on a basketball court, playing football. Like, these are the things we're getting mad at? Like, right? <laughs> uh, so, so, so for me, it was the way that Kyler, the, the arrogance with which Kyler Murray carries himself, like he's earned anything mm-hmm. in the NFL. The arrogance was with he carried himself when people were interviewing. Him. Like the, the the interview on the Dan Patrick show was so awful, mm. and he should have been so embarrassed and ashamed of himself for the uh, one word answers. Uh, so which one do you which one do you think you're gonna choose? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> do you want to play football or baseball more? I don't know. Like uh, he said nothing, and he just had this arrogant look on his face the entire time. You have earned. Nothing. Your birthday is coming up in September. I'm going to get you a Kyler Murray autographed football. If you do, I will. I will. St- I will stab it with a knife right in front of oh, you man. and say, "Don't you're wow. off the show." Wow. I, I I feel about Kyler Murray the same way I felt about Tom Brady mm. in Tom Brady's first season. A lot okay. of people weren't weren't on the I hate Tom Brady bandwagon back in 2001. Yep. I hated him from jump. Okay. I hated him from jump because I was a, I was a Drew Bledsoe fan. Okay. Drew Bledsoe won the AFC Championship game that year yep. when Brady got hurt, and then Tom Brady gets to start in the Super Bowl. Right. This and was I, what like 2002, 2001. Three? One. Okay. It was 2001, yeah. and I've I have disliked Tom Brady. I I'm trying not to say hate as much because it's a hateful word. I have disliked Tom Brady ever since. I yeah. I like him more than I used to because I think he's much more laid back yes. with Tampa Bay and Belichick had Belichick had a lot to do with. My opinion on Tom Brady, yeah. but uh, yeah, I feel about Kyler Murray the same way I felt about Tom Brady beginning his career. So it could be a lifelong hatred of this man. Anyway, <laughs> that's gonna do it for us here on the batter. On a lot of lot of nothingness in those last twenty five minutes of the show. It's okay, but sometimes it's it's our show. Listen or don't. Uh, please listen. Please listen. Please tune in. I was just joking when I said that. Um, thanks for tuning into the Batter Round, guys. We're going to see you next week. Hopefully, we're going to get a great guest. I'm going to try and get um, somebody from Baseball America to talk about the Orioles' uh, top prospects. Until then, thanks for tuning in. See ya.